This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Friday afternoon. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily here on the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel. Shout out to everyone making us a part of their day listening on the podcast. Let me just mute the uh, YouTube feed here. And, of course, shout out to everyone in the uh, YouTube chat. Looking forward to a big weekend. And, of course, Bombers and Stamps Sunday night at 6 p.m. We've got lots to get to. Ian Mendes is going to join us in a few minutes. We'll recap Canada's huge beatdown of the United States last night at the World Women's Hockey Championship. We'll also hook up with my guy, Cool Bet Chris, Chris Abbott from Cool Bet. He's been at the ballpark all week watching the Blue Jays. Was there for that 14 strikeout game for Robbie Ray. I'll talk a little Jays with Chris as well as check out some of the lines for the upcoming games in the Canadian Football League and more this weekend. Maybe even some NFL futures. And then Eddie Tate from BlueBombers.com will join us with a full update on how the blue and gold are looking and how healthy they are going into Sunday night 6 p.m. start at IG Field. A big shout out to our wonderful family of sponsors, including Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Blue Bombers. It's Friday afternoon. We've got a game on the weekend. Stick around with us till the end. We'll have another I Love Rye package with some great product from Canadian Club to give away, as well as Royal Sports and the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Let's uh, welcome in Michael Remus to the program as we get ready for the weekend. Remo, what's good, my friend? I'm feeling good. Finally, uh, some CFL uh, football tonight. You know, we had the postponed game yesterday, so I'm getting fired up making my DraftKings lineups for the, what, Al's and Ticats, Dane Evans in our quarterback. And yeah, another weekend. I don't know what the weather is going to be questionable, but... um. Hey, I'm here for it. I'm I'm excited for the weekend. I will say that. Hey, what up, everybody? Michael Cochran's there. Yeah, Vikings Chiefs. Cool. Oh, I mean, it is exhibition. Let's just hope that everyone gets out of the game healthy. And uh, both the Vikings and the Chiefs are ready to kick some ass coming up in week number one. Uh, there's my guy, Destructions here, Leslie. And oh, Francois AC. Pump for Sunday Funday and watching the boys in blue. What's up, Hustler? Let's go. Great to see everybody ready to go. Hey, you mentioned DraftKings and getting the lineup uh, lineups in. If I'm not mistaken, Remo, we still have two spots remaining uh, as we do the uh, the live uh, recording of the broadcast. Uh, we had uh, a couple, two spots. Yeah, two spots left. And I'll tweet out. I'll paste in the link if anyone wants to join. But yeah, we got uh, 38 of 40. So come play us, play against us in uh, CFL Fantasy on DraftKings. We do have a a contest going, so I'll, I'll throw that in in a sec. You got it. So uh, anyways, yeah, if you're with us in the YouTube and you haven't already got in, $3 contest, a lot of fun. Only three games this weekend because, of course, Remo, we should be talking about CFL action last night between the Elks and the Toronto Argos. That game was postponed, potentially canceled. We'll see if they can make it up at some point. But I'll tell you what, and again, Kind of find out more from Ed Tate as to how this is, um, you know, shaking up things around the league with the other teams. But now up to 14 positive cases with the Edmonton Elks. And, you know, I, I kind of have gone past this week and I'm more looking into next week and concerned that, you know, the the biggest regular season weekend of the year in the Canadian Football League could be in jeopardy. I mean, that would be, um, it would really be 
unfortunate if the Elks and Calgary Stampeders weren't able to go at it on Labor Day. And not, meanwhile, I imagine the rest of the teams are trying to do everything they can to avoid being in a situation that the Elks are right now, missing last night's game and, you know, with the, the rest of their season at this point sort of up in the air. Yes, uh, I agree. So that is something I think that's going to be a cloud over the entire CFL season. If they can, I think that they'll end up finishing it. But this Elks situation, I think, throws a wrench into the plans and may cause them to rethink uh, certain protocols. As far as the Bombers go, we're kind of on Andrew Harris watch. You know, we tweeted earlier this week or he or he posted on Instagram. uh, What, like some eyes thing or patient about patience and pictures of him on the sidelines. He practiced, but then yesterday he was limited participant. And today, uh, today, what's his Ed Tate, who's coming on later? He said that Harris was mostly watching today. So is he going to play? Is he not? I think that's something to watch. And Darvin Adams was also limited. He came back from injury, you know, caught that long pass uh, against Toronto. And now he was limited before I didn't played. So I think we'll, we'll wait and see about him. But I mean, if you're playing fantasy, and you got to lock your lineups. I don't think, you, I think Harris, I'm not, I don't think, I would say Raz of now, I don't, sounds like he's not going to play. And Adams, I think he might be questionable too. Who knows? Yeah, I think I have Darvin in my lineup. So I may need to do a little restructuring of uh, how things are looking. Uh, of course, we got a great game tonight. I'm really looking forward to this Alouettes Ticats game. Uh, we talked about it plenty earlier in the week, especially on the lock shop making picks. To me, this is a huge game for Hamilton. Rumors, this team lost three games over 18 in 2019. They were the favorites to win the Grey Cup coming into this season. I mean, they did have a tough schedule going to Winnipeg and going to Saskatchewan in the first two games. But a loss in the division to Montreal to put them to 0-3 would be sort of a stunning start for the preseason favorites. And you know, I think we're sort of looking at a real shakeup in the East if Montreal can get this done. On the other side of things, if Dane Evans can lead Hamilton to a victory, I think at one and two with a win over <clears throat> a win over Montreal, Alouettes would go to one and two with a loss. Um, they'd be right there. It's kind of looking like Toronto might be the team to beat in the East, to be honest. Yeah, and wasn't it Rod yesterday who said that Toronto was the be- like second best team in the league? And I kind of laughed when he said that, but. Um, I mean, Vernon Adams got some decision-making problems. I think he's trying to force things deep, leading leading to uh, you know some turnovers, and we definitely saw that after you te- you texted me. Uh, this is easy money here for us who bet on <laughs> Montreal early in the week before it came out that Calgary, and then he started turning the ball over. Um, and yeah, Hamilton, uh, they're zero and three, and they're starting uh, Dane Evans. I know he was good, but they've got a lot of injuries too, especially on the O line. And uh, if you're playing, you know, fantasy, maybe you are banking on a little regression here for Brandon Banks and Jalen Acklin. But I mean, 0-3 against uh, a tough Montreal team. That's a, that would be the marquee game of the week. Although uh, I think this Calgary Winnipeg one, interesting as well. BC Ottawa. Uh, we'll see. Uh, that's that's, that's ca- third. That's third of three. I <laughs> that's mean, that's that's the, and that's the th- games. yeah, and that's the third game of the week. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, maybe Hamilton can come back. And uh, it wasn't one of the props about like Orlando Steinauer being the first coach fired <laughs> too. I saw some players tweeting like, "Oh no, no," and I kind of agree. I think, I mean, he didn't become a bad coach. They've been overnight. They've been dealing with some injuries, so uh, we will. I mean, we'll see. I, I think they'll bounce back, but can they win? I'm not sure. And I think Montreal needs a bounce back performance too, after you know being being short what one yard. 
in the loss after blowing it to Calgary, being favorites. That's a bad. That was a bad one. Yeah, well, it's anyway, so uh, we'll have it tonight. And, of course, my guy Dustin Nielsen is back in town. Uh, we uh, won't be doing any uh, live lock shop this weekend. We might try and do something in a couple of weeks for Banjo Bowl weekend going into week one of the National Football League. But I look forward to hooking up with uh, the big guy. And, of course, he'll be calling the game on TSN for that 6 p.m. start at IG Field on Sunday to wrap up week four in the Canadian Football League. So we will talk some more CFL. We'll touch on the odds with Chris Abbott. And Ed Tate will give us a full rundown about how the Bombers are looking going into Sunday, or at least going into the walkthrough tomorrow. It's sort of strange that we're on Friday, and you know they're still 48 hours away from the game. Uh, but that's the schedule. So uh, anyways, Ed's going to join us. We'll talk more CFL and Bombers with him a little bit later on. And Remo, looking forward to talking to Ian Mendez coming up. And uh, we're going to have to get right to Canada beating the USA. I'll be honest, I did not have a good feeling going into last night's game, especially considering that Canadian captain Mary Philippe was out of the lineup. Um, but what a performance by the Canadian women. At one point in the second period, they went up 5 nothing, and I believe the shots at that time were 20-5. to It was, uh, I was a rout last night, and, you know, they didn't pour it on in the third period. The United States got some more shots and a little bit more zone time. Uh, but a 5-1 win for for Canada without Marie-Philippe Poulin. Um, and I, it won't mean anything if you don't win it, uh, beat them in the gold medal game. But considering the success that the United States has had over Canada at the World Women's Championship, I believe that's the Canada's first win in the Worlds against the United States since a shootout win in Ottawa in 2013, which is sort of mind-blowing when you think about how good the Canadian team has been, what they've done in the Olympics. But the worlds have been dominated by the United States. So, um, you know, without one of their top players last night, Canada, with a huge performance and not really looking forward to seeing what the women can do the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, when we said Canada, U.S., you think, you know, hard-nosed hockey, competitive, uh, close finishes, possible extra time. Did not see a 5-1 blowout. You know, they got the one goal at the end, the blowout coming. What a performance. And we talked, they didn't have Marie-Philippe Poulin. And uh, I think you got to be pumped. They have confidence now heading in. No, you can beat Team USA. And, I mean, I don't know if they're for sure going to meet again in the final, but, I mean, they usually do. And if they, you know, go together again, then, hey, you have to think they're feeling good about their chances. And, I mean, what an awesome game. I, I heard they are replaying it right now on, on TV. People are saying in the chat, if you wanted to, uh, you know, watch this and also relive the magic from last night. Uh, yes, indeed. I, I, I see uh, Winnipeg Walter with a good point, uh, and I'm right there with you, Walt. I worry about the rematch with the U.S., likely the final. It's easier to rebound from a big loss than a close loss, and I think that was part of maybe calling the dogs off a little bit in the third period. I mean, you know, they were going to win this game. The The result was all but a fait accompli. Um, given the American embarrassing, the Americans, I think could have come back to bite them. So um, anyways, all in all, great performance by Canada. And we'll look forward to uh, chatting with Ian Mendez about that coming up uh, a little later on. Uh, Joe from Winnipeg says, Reem have multiple tabs open, listening to Winnipeg sports talk, watch live hockey from Europe. Good day. Of course, a big day for our guy, Nikolai Ehlers and the Danes. What do you have? Six points today in an absolute route of the Koreans at the Olympic qualifier. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. So in Europe right now, there's this Olympic qualifier for all these countries went trying to play these uh, mini uh, tournaments to try to get in. And Denmark is one of those teams and the IIHF Olympic qualifiers. And they took on South Korea. Big win for Denmark, 11 deuce. And I looked at the rosters there. 
Denmark had uh, a number of NHLers, including Nikolai Ehlers. And in the 11, you know, we kind of joked about, oh, is he working too hard in the offseason? He's going to get hurt. I mean, I don't think you're going to have anything happen in a game where you're winning 11-2, or was it 11-1, and he's scoring six points. So uh, pretty incredible performance from Nikolai Ehlers. And it is kind of nice to have a little hockey uh, in the summer to follow here. Yeah, uh, if you do want to follow Ehlers and the Danes, uh, they got the big matchup against their rivals, the Norwegians, on Sunday for a, a spot in the Olympic Games. So we'll get to that in the World Women's Hockey Championship coming up with Ian Mendez. Uh, before we do that, big shout out to our uh, friends and our newest sponsor, the official Spirit of the Bombers Canadian Club Whiskey. Uh, it's the good stuff, folks, and it'll be available throughout IG Field coming up on Sunday night. But before that... Why don't you make your weekend a little bit better and stop by any Manitoba Liquor Mart and pick up some of the Canadian club. Uh, We will have a CC giveaway at the end of the program. So for those of you with us on YouTube, make sure you stick around. We'll do a marble race at the end for another great I Love Rye package. Uh, Had a great time with the Royal Sports guys last night. Can tell you that the final six hats of the snapbacks and the final six of the dad hats are at Royal Sports right now. Uh, The response has been amazing. We appreciate it. Um, But anyone that's still hoping to get one, uh, you can try us on the website. But if you're in the city, I dropped off our last half dozen of both styles over to Royal Sports. You can pick them up over at 750 Pemina Highway and uh, make sure you give yourself 10 or 15 for a nice walk around Royal and all they have for you there. And of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ group, four locations in Manitoba, Niverville, Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's always makes the weekend a little bit better, even if the weather's not that nice out. And you can always hit them up on Instagram as well, at DQ Manitoba, and order a cake to go. It'll be ready for you when you pick up. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, let's welcome in Ian Mendez from The Athletic to the program. Ian, what's going on? How are you, my friend? Hey, doing great. Always love every. I think every time I join you, it's right after that DQ read. And I, I got the hankering for the blizzard going right now. Uh, I wish we could do a little delivery, you know, time it. So like, just as you're doing it, it shows up for you. You can nibble on that as we're uh, having a great chat. Um, uh, I, let's get right to it. What a beatdown of the United States last night by... Team Canada and our national women's hockey team. Um, this team hadn't beaten the United States in the world since 2013 in a shootout, Ian. Uh, you don't have Marie-Philippe Poulin. I, I, I don't know, from the outside, this seemed like a stunning result. Uh, how did you see it? Yeah, I, and I mean, listen, uh, we were pretty excited. We had a live blog going for this game. I mean, I think you can argue that this is, uh, Andrew, I think this is maybe the best rivalry in sports in the 21st century. Like, I, I think Canada women of the U.S. game, in Canada, the U.S., on the women's side in hockey, it has been back and forth. And then, but then you, you, you find out that Canada hasn't beaten the U.S. in like eight years in this tournament, and the Americans have won five straight. You're like, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. But last night, I thought we were going to, I was like, this is going to be a great appetizer for when they meet hopefully in the in the gold medal game. And this thing was a beatdown. It was a complete, utter beatdown. And I think it shocked me because I think, like you mentioned, no Mary-Philippe Poulin, you're thinking, okay, that's going to hurt Canada. But boy, oh boy, like it was uh, really, it was fi- at one point, and I tweeted this out, Canada had five goals. The Americans had six shots. So <laughs> this was a beatdown. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully that they can, if they meet again, it, it would be that way. But boy, oh boy, it was certainly disappointing and underwhelming. 
I, I didn't hear um, Canadian coach Troy Ryan's comments afterwards, but I would imagine, and maybe he wouldn't speak to this anyways, it did seem like they called the dogs off a little bit in the third period. And to be honest, I think that's probably the right way to go about things. Um, you know, the Americans losing the way they did will be incredibly motivated as it is to come back. I mean, if you put an eight spot up against them, uh, I have a feeling you're even, you're, you're maybe playing with fire a little bit. All that being said, this is a great result for Canada, but presumably they'll have to do it again. And um, as we've seen before, history has told us this is the United States team in the women's world. Incredibly difficult to beat once, never mind twice in a tournament. Yeah, and I think when when they do meet again, and hopefully it's on Tuesday, and hopefully it's for a gold medal, um, I think that you're going to see a much different American team. Like th- th- that big line of theirs with Kendall Coyne Schofield and uh, you know uh, Hillary Knight, like they were invisible. They they were completely invisible. And I think if you're the Americans, you think okay. Guess what? You got to play a game without Mary-Philippe Poulin, but we got to play a game where our big stars didn't show up. And the odds of that happening again, I think, would be pretty small. So the good news for, uh, for Canada, like you said, they should theoretically avoid Finland uh, in the quarterfinal. And this is what happened. Oh, sorry, semifinal. This is what happened to them last time in the world. They got shocked by Finland in the semis, didn't even make the gold medal game. So this time around, it should be a little bit of an easier path to get to the gold medal game. And like you said, uh, it feels like you, you will get the Americans again in that gold medal game. And I don't think you're going to see a 5-1 beatdown on, on either side there. It, it was stunning. But at the same time, um, I mean, most of these teams haven't been together in almost two years yet. I mean, and I'm very happy that this tournament is being played now. Of course, it was supposed to be in the spring in Halifax. And due to the virus, it needed to be changed. And at one point, it was thought that it was just going to be canceled. So... First things first, the opportunity for these women to compete for a world championship like, makes everybody a winner in all of this. But the other thing is it's been so long since we've seen these teams play. I mean, focusing on Canada, I mean, so much player turnover from the last time the Canadian women put on the jerseys. And, uh, you know, you have a player like Jamie Lee Rattray, who was the extra skater going into the tournament, starring last night with a couple goals. I mean, we really are seeing a number of the new faces of Canadian women's hockey right now on display. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the best example. There was Jamie Lee uh, Rattray. What she did yesterday, especially on the second goal, I loved it because it felt like it was the great exa- the personification of a 200-foot player, which is you're you're attacking hard in your own zone defending, and she helped turn uh, a puck over from Kendall Coyne Schofield and then goes back the other way and scores a rebound goal all within about eight seconds. And it was great. And, you know, you're right. There's a, an infusion of new blood and new talent and, and some players that uh, you may not be familiar with uh, other outside of the the, the Spooners and the, and the Philippe Poulets. What I think is really interesting, and you brought this up, which I think is a great point. Yes, it was important that they played this tournament because it got canceled last year, got canceled in the spring. But what I find fascinating is we got the World Championships here now in August, and if all goes well, we're going to have the Olympics. Like, we, there's two best on bests in about six months for these women. And we're not used to seeing that, right? Usually in an Olympic year, they take the, the you know, we don't see best on best in the world. So, you know, so we're going to see best on best two times in six months. So this is, uh, this is fantastic as I think they're, they're obviously trying to grow the women's game. Uh, what do we know about the the status of Marie-Philippe Poulin? You know, she took the puck in the throat. I mean, just the fact that she wasn't out there in a game against the United States, I think tells you all you need to know about her ability to play. Are the Canadians optimistic that they'll have their top player back for potentially the next couple of games? So we have our, our terrific reporter, uh, Haley Salvian, who who covers is really covering this tournament for us. And, uh, and, and I know that she covered all the press conferences last night and said specifically, no update on, on Marie-Philippe Poulin. So, 
Do we see her against the Germans in a game that you should probably cruise to uh, and win? I don't know. I, I think uh, the alarm bells will go off for me, the red flags. If she doesn't play the semifinal game, then yeah, I think that now we're entering a, a very dangerous territory. But you're right. Not seeing her in that game against the Americans was certainly a good indicator that she's not healthy. And I know there's a lot of people disappointed because the manner in which she got hurt, it was what, 5 nothing, third period, killing a penalty, essentially in a meaningless situation. You take the puck like that. So um, it, it was a tough break. And, you know, fingers crossed we see her because she did miss the Worlds in 2019 with a knee injury. And to have to wait two years to get another chance at it and then only to get hurt again, I know would be frustrating for uh, for the captain. Well, great performance by Team Canada. Fingers crossed that we'll get the captain back and uh, see these two teams go at it in all likelihood for a gold medal coming up next week. What's the atmosphere in Ottawa around the Sens going into this year? It's been a miserable few years for Ottawa, but I think you know, if you're a Senators fan, you have to legitimately be excited that maybe – we're finally getting closer to being a legitimately competitive team with all the young talent. Uh, uh, what are you hearing around? Uh, is there a buzz about the upcoming season within the fans of the sense? Yeah, there is. Absolutely. And I think you guys got a little bit of a taste of it in, in, in the end of the year. I know early in the year, January, February, I think Winnipeg really dominated Ottawa. But back half of the year, Ottawa played really well. And if you think, I think their last meeting against the Jets was Timmy Stutzler's hat-trick game. So you kind of got a little get, bit of a glimpse into Ottawa's future. Uh, Brady Kachuk, I think, also had a game-winning goal against the Jets with, you know, 10 seconds left another game. So I think what was really exciting, uh, Andrew, was Ottawa's young players were the ones who were really carrying the mail in the last half of the year. When they when they played well, it was Kachuk, and it was Norris, and it was Batherson, and it was Stutzla, and it was, you know, that's what you wanted. So there's a ton of optimism, and but there's always in Ottawa the yeah, but, right? And the yeah, but being... Brady Kachak doesn't have a contract. Drake Batherson doesn't have a contract. We saw Svechnikov sign his deal uh, yesterday for $8 million and, uh, you know, just under uh, 8 per uh, in the cap hit. A lot of Ottawa fans are saying, okay, well, now do Brady. Same draft year, same productivity. Seems like that's the blueprint for an eight-year deal. Don't know that that's going to happen, but certainly if there was to be a gray cloud over this team, it would be the fact uh, Brady Kachak and Drake Batherson aren't signed yet. Do you do you have any um, sense of how negotiations are going between those two players? I mean, is it contentious right now? I mean, could this be dragging into it, you know into training camp, or is the fact that the deal that you just mentioned, Sveshnikov, was signed a pretty good benchmark for comparison for a player, at least like Kachuk? Yeah, I think it's a great benchmark. And it's probably a touch, maybe a touch low for Kachuk only because I think the way that he plays the game and what he means to this franchise, the potential captaincy, maybe he's worth eight per, maybe eight and a quarter, right? But it gives you a great idea. I don't think that there's much animosity here. I don't think that there's a ton of reason for Ottawa fans to be upset. And I've said this a number of times. I wouldn't be shocked if this does drag into training camp because we have seen a number of RFA deals um, that have gone into the start of the season. Uh, you know, even a couple of years ago, I think Braden Point went into September. Matthew Kachuk went into September. Johnny Goudreau went into the, uh, like the, literally, I think the day before the season started. You guys would know in your market, line A, like the, RFAs coming off their entry-level deals can be sticky sometimes. Uh, it's very rare that they miss the entire season. And I, Willie Nylander is the one guy who, like, took it up to the deadline, right? Didn't he go to, like, November 30th at, like, 11 yeah. p.m.? <laughs> so there's always that. I don't think we're going to get to that point. Uh, does he miss some training camp? I'm talking about Kachuk. Does he miss some training camp? Yeah, maybe he does. But it's not the worst thing in the world. I think it becomes problematic if you get to about a week before the regular season starts. Like, we get to Canadian Thanksgiving that weekend and he's not signed, then it's like, uh-oh. But until then, no reason to, I don't think, to be overly concerned. I, I imagine from Pierre Dorion's perspective, it's eight years or bust for a player like Brady Kachuk. Uh, 
Yeah, from okay. So from his perspective, the team would love to lock this guy up for an eight-year deal, right? But his agent, Craig Oster, if you look at the way he's negotiated his deals, and, and the obvious one being his brother, Matthew, he's had a penchant for getting his guys to sign the three-year bridge and then try and hit the home run. So I... I don't begrudge the athlete for doing that. I understand why you do it. I think it, it puts you in a more advantageous position uh, in your mid-20s. I think you have a chance to uh, to hit a home run on that on that third contract, whereas if you sign the eight-year deal now, that's probably your one shot at a, at a huge payday. So I don't think that if you're Ottawa, I think you might offer the eight years, but maybe the player doesn't want it. But it's not because the team didn't offer eight or that, you know, the organization is not going the right way. It just might be that the player wants to go for three years. And I know that that's tough for some people to wrap their heads around that Brady Kachuk might want to bet on himself, but maybe that's what he wants to do. Uh, but I, if I, so if you're asking if I had to guess, I think it's a three year bridge deal. And I don't think there's a reason to panic or freak out if you're an Ottawa fan if that happens. Well, the one thing I will say is that Calgary's dealing with the aftermath of that contract, including a $9 million qualifying offer for Matthew Kachuk just to maintain the rights. Um, certainly an eight-year deal, I think, would probably make everyone in the Ottawa side of things the happiest, but I do understand uh, you have to look at the history of the agent. And of course, I believe Craig is the brother of Matthew and Brady's mom. Yeah. Uh, exactly, Chantel. So um, they've done this before. And man, even go back to Keith here in Winnipeg, um, who had one of the biggest contracts in NHL history at the time of $7 million back in the 90s. Um, they have played their cards right when it comes to that. Ian Mendez is with us from The Athletic. Hey, before we go, you had a real interesting, and uh, uh, I was going down the feed of some of the work that you've been doing lately and uh, catching up with Danny Heatley. Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about that, and uh, you can plug the article right now that's uh, up at The Athletic. Yeah, listen, so you know how it is, and, and you know this as a, as a talk show host. Sometimes the summertime is a dead period of time, and I, I've been doing this weekly mailbag segment where I'm asking Ottawa fans, hey, like, hit me up with anything. And repeatedly, I've been asked, hey, what's Danny Heatley up to? Like, this guy is completely off the grid. Like, what's he up to? Is he happy? What, Whatever. So, you know, I reached out to him, and, uh, you know, Danny was nice enough to uh, to give me a phone call on the weekend. And, look, I, I don't think he wants to get into the whole, hey, this is why I left Ottawa and all that stuff. And I, I, maybe down the down the road he will. And, uh, you know, I, I, obviously you would love it if, if, you know, if he came to me. I, I, I would love it if that's the, uh, the route he chose. But, you know, for now he just said, look. I'm living life. He's on the West Coast of the United States, um, and he's really happy. And it was really nice to hear his voice. I mean, I, I don't think I've spoken to Danny Heatley in six, seven years, eight years, whatever it is, uh, to hear that he's really happy. And I think what was really cool from this conversation, Andrew, was that he kept telling me how much he loved his time in Ottawa. And he wanted me to relay that to the fans. Like, please, like, just if they're going to tell them one thing, and I think that's great, right? Because when you get a guy who had an acrimonious departure or a nasty divorce, you tend to think that this guy's walking around with a chip on his shoulder. He's like, screw you. It's not like that. I think he looks back with a lot of fondness at his uh, his four years in Ottawa. And I think he'd love to come back and maybe be part of some alumni events and things like that. So hopefully this could maybe open the door and nudge them in that uh, in that direction down the road. Ian, I, I know you got a podcast to record, so we'll let you go just on the way out, though. Uh, any buzz for the uh, home opener for the Red Blacks and uh, Paul Apolise's debut on the sidelines? Yeah, it's so weird, right? Like Paul Apolise are like, wait a minute, hasn't he coached the game already? You're like, no, he hasn't even coached. So uh, they got the game tomorrow. It's should be a lot of fun to get Rick Campbell back in town with the, with the BC Lions, right? So there's that uh, storyline. And uh, we're, we're thinking it's going to be close to capacity, which right now in Ottawa, it's 15,000 fans in the in the 27,000 seat venue at TD Place. We think it'll be close to 15,000. 
should be a lot of fun. People are just dying to get football back here. But I, look, that that offense has looked real pedestrian and real flat. So if they're not going to be entertaining, I think they're going to have a hard time drawing people uh, into uh, into the home games. Yeah, it, it'll be an uphill battle for the Red Blacks for sure. But uh, they got a heck of a coach, and uh, I have a feeling it might not happen right away. But good things are in the future for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Ian, thank you so much for doing this. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll look forward to doing this again with you soon. Yeah, you betcha, Andrew. My pleasure. Have a great weekend and talk to you soon. There he is, Ian Mendez of The Athletic, one of the true great dudes of the uh, Canadian sports media scene, uh, joining us from Ottawa, Ontario. Um, always love talking to Ian and, uh, you know, he had a few topics, but that that bit on Danny Heatley was uh, was really interesting. We'll let you, you know, go and read it for yourself. Um, I was wondering kind of where that came from, and he does make a good point. I mean, right now, this is sort of the dead zone of the the sports calendar. Now we've got some baseball. We've got a little, you know, CFL. We didn't have a game last night, which we should be talking about. And obviously, unfortunately, many of the topics in sports have to do with how we continue to deal with uh, with COVID. Um, but it was a lot of fun getting him on there. And obviously, uh, I'm intrigued about the uh, about the Ottawa Senators going into next season. Um, and I'm also intrigued to see how they get these deals done, if they can get them done, and what they look like uh, before dropping the puck on the NHL season. Um, I'm going to give a big thank you to Paramount Services Limited for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Paramount Services is a full facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all of your favorite convenience stores and restaurants in Western Canada. And they're doing it 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. They've been doing it for almost three decades. If you're looking for a one-stop shop, for kitchen or cooler supplies for your business or property in Western Canada, anywhere, give them a call. Ask for my pal, Kevin O'Brien, or you can visit their website at paramountservicesltd.com for more information. Of course, they're always looking for qualified techs who specialize in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handiwork. Go to their website and submit your resume today, or you can click on uh, their link on our sponsor page at winnipegsportstop.com, and it'll take you right there to the careers page at Paramount Services. Uh, Matt, I popped by Not Auto Corp today. Oh, my God, do they have some incredible rides on the uh, on the lot. Uh, those Teslas, I told you I had my first ride in the Tesla on the way to the game last week. Uh, now I just can't keep my eyes off of these things. If you are thinking about getting into uh, a new whip, why not get into the car of your dreams with the help of the Knot team? Go and visit them, Waverly and McGilvery. You can check them out online at knot.ca. And if you're in a vehicle that you're looking to move out of, talk to them about their consignment program to help get you maximum value for your vehicle. Uh, and a big shout out to Boston Pizza. I have a feeling uh, myself and one Dustin Nielsen might be uh, hitting a BP tonight because, of course, the big guy's in getting ready for Bombers and Stan Peters on Sunday night. He'll be calling the game on TSN. Um, and if we go to BP or if you head up to BP this weekend, you'll see the new summer menu is here. And not too summery outside, but I'll tell you what, you can still get that burger Italiano, the honey dill fried chicken sandwich, or head into the lounge if you're not down on the patio and enjoy some of those great patio drinks, the peachy mojito royale, the white sangria smash, the galaxy fishbowl, and the Bulldog Margarita Fishbowl. Summer's here at Boston Pizza. Bring your appetite. Sunglasses are optional. All right, coming up in a few minutes, Eddie Tate is going to join us. We'll get a rundown of how the Bombers are looking heading into Sunday's 6 p.m. start. Didn't sound like Andrew Harris did a lot today in practice, um, so we'll, go, we'll get a full update on the Bombers heading in. 
Uh, but I figured right now, going into the weekend, we're always going to talk lines. Why not bring Chris Abbott on from Cool Bet Canada? And we'll talk lines as well. But I think we'll also talk some baseball because Chris, more than anyone I know, has basically been living at the Rogers Center lately, watching the Blue Jays. Chris, what's going on? Great to have you back on the program. Hey, it's good to be here, man. How you doing today? Yeah, I've been um, I've been at uh, most of the Jays home games since they've come back. I've been really fortunate, to be honest. And uh, you know, it was a tough one last night. Uh, actually, I've been to both Hunjin Ryu starts. I think he's only had two at the Rogers Center since they came back. You have clobbered in both of them, and the Jays made valiant comeback efforts. In the first one, they actually beat Boston with a Springer walk off. Last night, they they got as close as they could, but. Uh, yeah, it's been um, it's been a tale of two teams uh, with and without George Springer, in my estimation. And you know, the other side is if they made the playoffs and the playoffs start tomorrow, um, Hunjin Ryu is not one of my starters. You know, it's 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 obviously Robbie Ray first, then it's Alec Manoa, and then it's Jose Barrios. You know, that's that's the way it is right now with this team. Um, Ryu just is throwing too soft. Guys are sitting back and and hitting them all over the field, and maybe. Maybe when he was in L.A., the field was a little more forgiving, but the Rogers Center is not forgiving to his stuff right now. Um, yeah, so if you got a team with sluggers, look out. You know, that's what um, kind of made for Jays fans that loss yesterday even a little more painful is that, you know, despite the offensive um, impotence over the last little while, they had the opportunity to take three or four against a damn good White Sox team heading into series against the Tigers and then, of course, the Baltimore Orioles, who have sort of become the free space on the bingo card in the major leagues right now. Um, that being said, two out of two, it didn't sink them. But I don't think there's much doubt this team needs to get on a run, and it needs to start right now. It does. I mean, they're in Detroit this weekend. Then the Orioles are here. They need to win five of those six games. Like that's That goes without saying. I mean, I'd like to see them win all six. But especially the games in the division they have to win. And now they've got to start winning some out of the division. If you had have asked me, you know, three weeks ago, would it matter if they didn't have a great showing against the White Sox or the Nationals? No, it wouldn't really because it's not teams they're chasing. But, you know, they've got to take divisional games. They played two series against the Yankees, a couple, three, I think, against Baltimore. They've got Oakland in here. Um, so, you know, divisional teams, teams they're chasing – uh, they're done with the Red Sox, so that's going to put a little uh, crimp in their plans. So they've got to perform well against the best team in the league right now, the New York Yankees. And uh, But they've got to win the, all the games against Baltimore. They've got to have a good series against Oakland, and that's only to put them in the hunt. Like, it's, it's doable, but with each game that gets away from them, it, it, it gets a lot harder. You were at the park. I was so jealous. That performance of Robbie Ray, 14 strikeouts, absolutely phenomenal, and you know, I believe you were saying at the start of the the year he was like eighty or a hundred to one to win the Cy Young. I mean, that number's down to I think plus five fifty. Uh, we'll talk about the the numbers in a minute, but I mean, just how impressive was that performance? Fourteen strikeouts. Um, he is uh, absolutely dominant right now. Yeah, I've, uh, he started Friday night when he had uh, I think double digit strikeouts that night. Uh, went eight innings. Uh, the the team blew it on him. And then he came back uh, a couple of nights ago and yeah, that 14 strikeout performance. Um, it, it's such a different feeling when you've got a guy out there who's keeping runners off base. Um, even if guys get on, you know, he's going to wipe them out with that slider. Uh, it's amazing how many guys went down on the exact same pitch, but uh, he's been fantastic, man. Yeah. He was 105 to one to open the season. I think we had him at 32 to one after the all-star break. And yesterday he was at five and a half to one. 
Um, Lance Lynn is still the favorite. I think he's minus 125. Um, and Ray might have been third on the uh, on the odds board for the American League Cy Young. But he keeps doing what he's doing. Like, if you go in and look at his game logs, either on MLB or ESPN or, or all the places they have them, um, his numbers are, are Cy Young worthy for sure. And um, it is a real pleasure. You know, if you're a baseball fan, um, you know, there's a difference between someone who goes to the park to watch the game and someone who really loves the nuance and, and can really appreciate those pitching performances. Man, oh, man. Uh, he makes some guys look silly out there. And, and like you said, that Chicago lineup with the, you know, the big four or five they have up top, he struck Tim Anderson out two or three times. Um, yeah. I mean, really, really impressive. And uh, I maybe didn't, I didn't appreciate him. I knew he was good when he was in Arizona, you know, and I knew he was around the league and he's been there for a long time, but um, I think he's gotten better. And uh, when you watch him live, you can certainly really appreciate it. Well, certainly he'll be a priority for the Blue Jays to try to get ink to a deal to keep him around in Toronto for a little while because he has been, I mean, just, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it has to be somewhat surprising the way that he's been able to go this year. When we talked about the numbers, the expectations of the Jays starters early, as you mentioned, started with Hyunjin Ryu. I mean, that was the guy that they paid the money to be the ace. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he's had some rough outings, but at the same time, the silver lining is, I mean, Alec Manoa's performance and Robbie Ray at the top of the list. You add in Barrios. I mean, even if this team doesn't get it done this year and make the playoffs, I think they've made huge strides as an organization. But I'll tell you what, if Robbie Ray's not in the mix next year, that is a massive, massive hole to fill in your starting four. You know, I think we're seeing um, a shift in the mentality of the front office as well. Not just the, you know, the guys making the call, but the guys writing the checks at, uh, the, you know, 333 Bloor Street. Um, you know, Rogers is spending the money. Like, they opened up the purse for George Springer. Uh, they paid Ryu. Um, they may very well pay Robbie Ray. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have the, the, the money to pay Robbie Ray and Marcus Semyon. But boy, oh boy, like Marcus Simeon, uh, he's just as important as anyone else on this ball team. Like, regardless of the fact that he had two home runs and four RBIs yesterday, um, he's just a pro. And, uh, you know, I he, he right now he's my favorite Blue Jay. Yeah, I absolutely – I loved him when he was in Oakland. Um, I thought he was underrated there. You know, you had Chris Davis and Matt, Matt Olson and, and all those guys, uh, Chapman uh, out there. But, um, you know, he's just – he goes out there every day. He gets it done. And I would love the Jays to find a way to bring both those guys back. And they're talking about Jose Ramirez, but I'm probably just uh, uh, pie in the sky for all three of them. Chris Abbott of Cool Bet Canada with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, let's get to NFL. Well, let me ask you from a book perspective, how busy are NFL futures right now? Um, is that a big, big part of what you guys are taking in? And, uh, you know, is it more on like who's going to win the Super Bowl or many of the other exotics divisions make playoffs i mean all those other fun bets that are available right now at the site yeah i mean to be completely honest with you coming through august here we were we were looking at the action it was a little bit down but i'm not surprised by that because you, you gotta wait you can, guys can get hurt guys can get cut the covid situation is is gonna make every week um this year i don't know even more perilous than it was last year because we know more about it now and there's more protocols in place and you know, some guys are choosing not to get vaccinated. Like, you know, do you fade the Buffalo Bills because you never know which receiver is going to be available for them? Like, all these things. So I think that's uh, that's been a reason why some people have been a little late putting their futures bets in. Uh, they are starting to come, though. I mean, uh, but it's, it's nothing too surprising. You know, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, um, you know, for outrights and divisions. And, 
Uh, you know, for me, there's a few that stand out that I that I really like. Like I, I think the fading the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be a good thing the first few weeks. The Detroit Lions, um, just teams that look like they're in disarray. Because if we've seen anything, especially over the last few years, like if your coach doesn't have everything together, um, these these guys are not going out and playing for you. Um, I like that for that reason. I like the Chargers. They've moved on from Anthony Lynn. I think that gives them two more wins regardless of anything else that they've done, you know? Um, so yeah, those are things I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking at uh, here preseason, but uh, honestly, the biggest risk we still have is Denver Broncos futures. If you remember back on draft day, when everybody thought they were getting ahead of the book with the news that Aaron Rodgers was going to Denver, uh, we we got your money, and I don't think you're getting it back. Yeah, I the, the Broncos Super Bowl outrights. I'm not sure if people are going to be cashing. Although I will say this: the decision to start Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke, I think, immediately makes the Broncos, uh, you know, a team that will, you know, take care of the football better. Um, and you know, they do have a pretty good defense. But again, that neighborhood there in the AFC West is uh, is not fun. I'm with you on the Chargers. The fact that they got through training camp heading into this final preseason game without a season-ending injury to Derwin James or Keenan Allen or, God forbid, Justin Herbert, um, that usually doesn't happen. If they have their entire defense in particular healthy, that's a team that you know will be pushing the Chiefs, certainly in that division. And I think... I mean, I love their over nine and a half like to get to 10 wins on the season. Um, and you know what? I think that they're a playoff team as well. Yeah, I really like the Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert, it's funny we're talking about Justin Herbert because coming into last season, uh, it was all Tua, you know, it was all Kyler, it was all, I don't even, like, you know, who's going to be the, the rookie. And, and you see Herbert, who, if people were paying attention to the Pac-12, he was a man when he played for the Oregon Ducks, too. Um, maybe just didn't get as much love nationally. But if you knew uh, your college football, you wouldn't have been surprised at the fact that Justin Herbert came in and had a good year, you know, and Joe Burrow came in and had a great year. Like these are guys uh, that, that are going to be franchise quarterbacks for a long time. Can you imagine last year, this time we were talking about Tyrod Taylor was going to be the starting quarterback for the LA chargers. Just goes back to what our buddy sports book can say, says Dave Sharapat. Nobody knows I don't know if I can say the end of that on your show. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, and I mean, heck, think about the Canadian Football League going into the season. You know, when again, it was a very unique offseason that spanned two years. But I mean, who had Hamilton, Calgary, and Edmonton all starting out at 0-2? I can tell you what, I sure as heck didn't. Um, you know, it probably was a good day for the book the first couple of weeks. And now, of course, we're getting into a situation where unfortunately we only have three games. And to me, the biggest question around the Canadian Football League is, are they going to get this elk situation under control? Will this be it going forward? Because, man, with 14 cases now, Chris, um, there is a significant risk, I think, to Labor Day weekend. I mean, the biggest weekend of the year in the Canadian Football League. And I got to tell you, I mean, it's bad enough that they've lost this game this week, and I'm not sure how and if they're going to be able to make it up. But I'll tell you what, if that stadium and the television set is dark for the annual Labor Day matchup between Calgary and Edmonton, that would just be a devastating blow to the Canadian Football League. No, our friends at TSN would not be happy about that at all. And, you know, I I was going to go. Dad and uh, my parents are here visiting this week. We were going to go yesterday to the Jays game in the afternoon. We were going to go to the Argos game at night. We had a perfect day planned. Uh, but then, uh, you know, luckily I hadn't had the tickets bought yet. But it's, uh, yeah, it's bad, man. And and from what I'm hearing, 
Uh, you know, Alberta's going the way of Florida and Texas. And, uh, uh, you know, you've got, what, almost 25% of the CFL teams are in uh, the province of Alberta. So here's hoping. Here's hoping. I guess we'll see. No doubt. Let's get back to the NFL. I'll, I'll ask you about some of these divisions and the, some of the odds. AFC East. The Bills Mafia is fired up. They are a minus 143 favorite to win the division. Not used to seeing numbers like that. New England just south of 3-1 to one at plus 290. The Dolphins at plus 415. And the New York Jets, rookie quarterback, rookie coach, 22-1. to one. Uh, Bills division to lose, I would say. Who's a bigger threat? And uh, if you're putting a nickel down on the AFC East, where's it going? Yeah, the Patriots are always a threat. I mean, uh, just that logo when they come on the field is is good for good for something, right? Um, and if they do make the decision to move on from Cam Newton, maybe they've struck gold at quarterback again. Only time will tell. Something that a lot of people neglect to talk about with the Patriots while they're anointing the Bills, the champs, is that New England had a bunch of guys opt out last year. Right. Their defense was really bad. Their offense wasn't much better, but they're not going to be the same team they were in 2020. Um, I don't think Bill Belichick likes that taste in his mouth. So is it going to push him to be better and his staff to be better? So I think the I think the the Patriots are always going to be a threat. But listen, man, I don't see anything wrong with a sneaky bet on the Miami Dolphins to win that division. Um, you know, the Bills, every day we're hearing something new coming out of Bills land and, and they're perennial choke artists as it is. Um, so, you know, is Josh Allen going to have the same year he had last year now that everybody knows that he and Stephon Diggs are, are he and, Stephon Diggs, he, and uh, he and his receivers are going to get the job done. So I, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, yeah, it's theirs to lose, but I can see them losing. Well, I mean, to me, it's just a bet on Tua. I mean, because as far as a roster goes, I mean, I'll put the Dolphins outside of the quarterback position up against the rest of the division. And I'll tell you what, I'm a huge fan of Brian Flores. I mean, I think he gets the most out of his squad as well. Uh, but it doesn't matter if your quarterback is, is not playing at a level. And let's face it. I mean, Josh Allen played at an elite like MVP level last year. And I guess the quarterback, speaking quarterback situations in New England's fascinating. Cam, not vaccinated, had to sit out a few days. And Mac Jones continues to look brilliant in this. I mean, I thought that Mac Jones would be maybe get some playing time later on in the season. The longer this goes and the more opportunity Mac Jones gets and the more he goes out and goes 21 of 23 like he's been doing. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Mac Jones could be in far sooner than I think most people expected. Yeah, and I think there, you'd be smart to make some Mac Jones over bets if you can find them too, because, you know, what made Cam Newton so good was his legs. Uh, I, I liken him to Ben Roethlisberger now in that they're both they're both on their last legs. And Cam didn't have the arm of, of Ben Roethlisberger. So, um, you know, listen, we watched it happen last year. Like, that was really sad to watch Cam Newton, who used to be one of the most dynamic players on the field, reduced to what he was. Now, hey, he didn't have much in the way of options either. Like their receiving core last year was trash, but um, he couldn't hold on to the ball most times to throw it anyway. Uh, so I, I think his leash is very short, very, very, very short. AFC North is a really intriguing division to me. And I think we've seen some pretty significant line movement. I mean, I seem to remember the Browns being the favorite a few weeks back and I'm pulling it up right now on cool bed and the Baltimore Ravens have shot to the top plus plus one fifteen to win the division the Browns at plus 140, not a lot of love or confidence in the Pittsburgh Steelers at 5-1, to one, a team that started off 9-0 and last year, let's not forget, but completely faded going out. And then, of course, the Bengals, 
or the Bengals, and the big question of Joe Burrow was just how will he look this year after that devastating injury? It sounds like he's been somewhat tentative, which you can understand through camp. Uh, is this a two-horse race to you, and uh, who do you like? Well, I mean, probably, yeah. I, I don't know what happens with the Steelers. I don't think Ben's going to go out and start 17 games, right? And then after that, we've seen for the last couple of years their options. And I mean, who did I, I didn't even realize they got Dwayne Haskins in the fold, or they might have cut him already, but... <laughs> Um, he's proven that the NFL is going to be a tougher nut for him to crack than Ohio State was. Um, yeah, so I think Baltimore and, and Cleveland will be at the top of that list. It's hard to ever lay money on the Cleveland Browns to win the division. But, you know, coming down the stretch last year and into the playoffs, I think Baker Mayfield showed a lot more maturity. Um, their defense is lethal when it's healthy. I mean, I think everything we say can be um, can be uh, asterisks with when it's healthy. But um, if that Cleveland team is, is, you know, as good as they could be, I'd say look out. But I'd also say, yeah, I think the, the Baltimore thing makes sense to me. Um, we were fawning all over Lamar Jackson and everybody else two seasons ago, partway through last season. And then now it's like they've been forgotten about. Uh, now, Miles Boykin was like his go-to receiver and Mark Andrews forgot how to catch the ball. But um, I'm sure we'll see, uh, we'll see an uptick there. Um, in their offense. So I have, I have no doubt that the Baltimore Ravens are being undervalued here. Uh, my favorite uh, division bet so far at Cool Bet uh, is the WFT, the Washington football team. I got them at three to one. They're now plus 275. Cowboys will always be a very public team, Chris, and they're plus 140. Uh, but just thoughts on that. Any hope on the Eagles or Giants being in contention for this? And uh, and do you like my pick of Washington at about three to one to win the division? Yeah, I do. Washington is a team that I've been on since last year. Um, and now they've got some Fitz magic in, in the fold. Like, how do you not rally around that guy? But their defense is unbelievable. Uh, Antonio Gibson, before he got hurt last year, was a fantasy darling. He was a prop darling. Uh, you know, the, their receiving core is good. Um, and they're just a good team. So they have a lot of parts that can that can impact the game, and obviously Chase Young being chief among them. So uh, I love them. Uh, Dallas, I, I for the last four years, I think I've been really really high on them, and keep betting on them, and keep having my heart broken. So I won't go there this year. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is better than people give him credit for. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens in Philadelphia after what was a you know a disaster last season. And um, no, the Giants, no. Uh, you know, Saquon's going to get hurt in week three, and uh, and they're right back where they started. Yeah, beware when you're selecting Saquon in the first round of your fantasy draft coming up this week. Uh, what's on the bet card this weekend for you, pal? Um, well, so tonight I've got the Jays' first five run line. Uh, it was about minus 115. Um, Stephen Matz starts. Uh, they've got... Uh, They've got a point to prove against this Tigers team that uh, they kind of let up against last week, and the offense never showed up for the Jays. Um, starting for the Tigers, the guy's name escapes me right now, but uh, you know he's got like a 1.4 whip, something like that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go first five because I still don't trust the Jays' bullpen, which got significant time on the mound yesterday as well. So we'll keep it first five Jays' run line. Uh, and a pick that I got f- from our boy J.D. Bunkus this morning, uh, we're fading – uh, the Canadian lefty from Saskatchewan. Uh, again, name is not uh, sitting in my head right now, but uh, he hasn't pitched in four years in the majors, and uh, they're playing the Milwaukee Brewers. So I've got Milwaukee first five and full game money line tonight. 
Excellent. Well, uh, Chris, so looking forward to doing much more of this with you as we get into NFL season. Uh, enjoy the games tonight and the weekend, and uh, hopefully we can get a couple wins in the CFL and get our second chance partner parlay going for the lock shop. I was going to say the Dodgers came through last night, so we're we're all we're one third of the way home for the second chance partner parlay. <laughs> Need the tie cats tonight. Have a great weekend, pal. Thanks again. You too, buddy. Talk soon. Uh, don't forget, use promo code WST at CoolBet.com. You get a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Might go great for some NFL futures. Or maybe you want to sprinkle on the Bombers, who, as I look right now, are favored by 5.5 against the Calgary Stampeders. The over started up at 41.5. It's now up to 44. And a straight-up bet on the Bombers to win minus 244 all available over at coolbet.com. We're going to talk bombers coming up with Ed Tate. Before that, big shout out and thanks to our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing. Uh, man, it's been great being uh, associated with Little Brown Jug. And I know how much our listeners and viewers have loved trying the good stuff, the 1919, the flagship brand. And of course, the summer variety pack, which might spice up the weekend. Uh, including the incredible Little Brown Jug Summer Lager and the Hefeweizen. You can pick that up at your local bottle shop, or uh, you can order online at littlebrownjug.ca. If you order by 2 o'clock, you can get next-day delivery, or you can schedule delivery. And uh, But I would suggest, if you're out and about, pop by and see them on William Avenue. Maybe you have a couple on the patio with some friends, a slice of pizza. Uh, you can get all the great Little Brown Jug product there, as well as some merchandise. And uh, it's certainly a great place to uh, have a couple cold ones over on William Avenue at the Little Brown Jug Brewery and Patio. Um, big shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs who will get back to live racing on Monday. And I guess we've got, what, three weeks left of live racing? Maybe we're going to need to get a few more winners before the uh, end of the year. Um, but the track is open on the weekend. VLTs from 9 until 12.15 every day, as well as the Terrace Dining Room. But reservations are required if you want to get up to the Terrace Dining Room. And otherwise, just make sure you've got proof of vaccination, like you'll need to go to the football game on Sunday, and you can see the live racing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday over at Assiniboia Downs. And a big shout-out to our friends at Breezy Bend, our golf partners. A quick update for Breezy on the BMW Championship. Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Cantley tied for the lead right now at 14 under par. Three shots up on Hudson Swafford, Sergio Garcia, and Sam Burns. John Rahm, who was the uh, pre-tournament favorite, he's only four holes in, two under par. He's at 10 right now. And Roy McIlroy, after an eight under yesterday, is nine under for the tournament, one under on his round today. Um, if you're thinking about a great home for your golfing, for the family on the golf course next year, give Corey Johnson a call over at Breezy Bend. You can get on that waiting list for next year's uh, play uh, just an unbelievable course, some incredible uh, improvements to the course over the last couple seasons that are pretty much done now. They did the patio, they did the clubhouse before. Uh, it really is a wonderful place for you and the whole family for golfing, breezybend.ca for next year's golf season. All right, let's get ready for some Blue Bomber football. It is family night, 6 p.m. Sunday night, an interesting start time. And Eddie Tate from bluebombers.com joins us. Edward! How are you, my friend? What's going on? I'm fantastic. Huss, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing well. Looking forward to the weekend. And I have to admit, the uh, it's a strange schedule this week. You're not used to having to wait till Sunday night to see uh, the Bombers and, frankly, any CFL teams get going. But 
I think considering where we're at right now in the calendar, still some people going away for the weekend. Hopefully people can have their cake and eat it too, maybe spend some time out at the cottage, but come back a couple hours earlier and make sure they're there on Sunday night to see what should be an exciting game. Yeah, there you go, Huss. Thanks for the uh, the, the plug there. That's uh, You're right. Uh, let's hope people can get back into the city and, and see the game. I can't remember a, a home Sunday night game. It's been a long time. I, I'm not sure when the last time that happened, if ever. It's been a while, but uh, it should be an interesting one because the Bombers have got to have spent the week licking their wounds a little bit after what happened in Toronto. And I think a lot of people watched uh, Jake Mayer and lead the, the stamps to that win last week. And we're kind of impressed with the the new quarterback there. So, um, you know, all the West division games are always going to be fun and, and this should be a dandy one. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it is sort of weird. The Bombers, you know, you know, being in the West have started the season with three games in the East. Um, these are very, very important games um, you know, especially against a team in Calgary, you can sort of maybe take advantage of the fact that Bo Levi's there, are not there. But as you mentioned, um, I didn't have a lot of faith that a rookie quarterback was going to come in and play the way he did. But what a debut. And now, now you know why he got the nod as the starting quarterback from Dave Dickinson in the absence of the franchise player, Bo Levi Mitchell. Yeah, the Stamps rarely make any mistakes when it comes to the quarterback position right over the last few years when you've got John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson running the show there. But I'll tell you what, that first quarter for him last week, he threw two interceptions and I thought, whoa, they got this one wrong. And yet the guy regrouped, found his game and uh, there's something about him. He, he he can create with his legs. He he steps up and, and delivers strikes. So, you know, we'll see what the Bombers defense throws at him because I think, you know, he the, him starting last week might have caught Montreal by surprise a little bit because you wouldn't have had any film of him. You'd have to go back to his days at UC Davis. But now that the Bombers have some film, I think it's probably a little bit easier to game plan and you can expect all kinds of pressure and all kinds of different looks defensively, maybe to try to confuse him. And we'll see if he's the real deal for a second straight week. Yeah, no doubt. A little bit of tape on him, a week for Richie Hall to game plan for the rookie quarterback. Although still just one game under his belt, there is still a lot of unknowns and um, Calgary, you know, even with so many different faces, you know, when they come to town, that's a, it's a tough game. Let's focus in on the bomber side of things. Um, First off, what went on a practice today? And uh, let's start with Andrew Harris and his status. Good news is he was back on the field this week. Um, but didn't seem to be very busy from uh, the reporting we've heard. No, so he was split reps on Wednesday at practice with Brady Oliveira, and then yesterday was closed to the media. Today didn't do much at all, had a ball hat on and and mostly watched. So it's going to be right up to the last minute, I suppose, when the depth chart comes out to decide whether we'll get the official word at least on whether he's going to play. That obviously would be a bit of a boost to the running game. Uh, you know, it's been so weird this year to try to predict who's going to play, who's not going to play based on practice because they really are concentrating. We've talked about this before about keeping people healthy. And if that means you have to skip a Friday practice before a Sunday game, then so be it. And that's been Mike O'Shea's uh, mantra this year so far. And so, again, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I think he's getting closer and closer every day. I mean, I think erring on the side of caution makes a lot of sense at right. this point in the season, considering everything around it. And I think Mike O'Shea also realizes maybe now more than ever before in his time as the head coach of the Bombers, he's got a proven veteran team. Um, you know, if Willie Jefferson or Jackson Jeffcoat need a bit of extra time off to give them a bit more of a pop on game day, I think he'll do that every day of the week. Absolutely. We started to see that trend a little bit more in 2019. You know, they... 
it used to be called a veterans day and we just saw more and more guys getting a day off. If you're not a hundred percent, um, you know, why tweak a, an already tender ankle on a Wednesday before a, a weekend game? So I think it's just smart uh, decision-making by, by Mike O'Shea and Al Couture, the athletic therapist, to keep people healthy. And you're right, Hussey, you'd rather have uh, a Willie Jefferson at 90% on, on Sunday than, you know, a Willie Jefferson who practiced on a Wednesday and, and rolled his ankle and is only going at 50% or can't play at all. So it's a smart play, and we're seeing it around the league too. Lots of teams are doing the same thing. It's just uh, – uh, it's been it's already been a weird year it's only going to get weirder with games into december uh so just protect your assets a little bit and, and make sure you're healthy as as healthy as you can be going into a game speaking of uh healthy uh what do we know about the receiving core right now i mean nick dembski of course missed last game darvin adams did play we've seen him being out i mean uh do you have a feeling one way or the other on the availability of those players in particular I think uh, it's just me talking. I think it's going to look an awful lot the same as last week. Nick Dembski hasn't practiced at all this week, so I, I think he would be highly questionable. Um, I expect Darvin Adams to go. Uh, and so that means that Kelvin McKnight, who had a, few, a decent uh, day last week, uh, would probably uh, slot back in there again. And so the same crew again that had some drops last week, three drops, I think it was by my count, maybe four. Um, and, Everybody on that offense, including the receivers, have got to get. They've got to be a lot better than they were last week in in Toronto because uh, you know I don't usually look at that time of possession stat and hold it up as the the be all and end all. But when the other team has the ball for twice as long as you, that's pretty telling. Well, absolutely, and I mean it started that way. I mean two and right. outs, and then you know the defense you know gave up some big plays and gave up some points. And the next thing you know, let me ask you this. What's been the atmosphere around the Bombers this week? It's been a long time since they had to deal with losing a football game. Well, you know, it almost started last week after they won, but they weren't happy with their performance. I, I'm, you know, and I wrote last week, I was, it's kind of surprising to be them, see them be so critical of themselves after a win. Uh, so that just got cranked up even more so after what happened in Toronto on Saturday. This is a team that's set a pretty high standard and they didn't like what they saw in Toronto. A lot of, you know, but got to credit the Argos, of course. You you've got to tip your hat to them. But there were a lot of missed tackles. There were the drop passes I mentioned. Um, and what this team prides itself on, kind of being bullies at the line of scrimmage, hasn't been there in the last couple of weeks because they haven't been able to run the ball very effectively, and they've had it jammed down their throats a little bit too. So those are the things that, um, when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, you better get to work to fix it. And that's sort of been the mood all week. Hey, speaking of the running game, let's just assume for a minute that the things look like last week, and that means Andrew Harris isn't in the lineup. Um, do you think we might see a little more of uh, Johnny Augustine mi- into the mix? It's a possibility. I know that they like Brady Oliveri. It's not that, you know, if you look at his runs last week, he, you know, he ran hard. It's just there just wasn't a lot there. Um, and so maybe you, you switch it up with Johnny Augustine. But I think you mentioned Nick Dembski, Haas, I think one of the factors of him not playing last week is that wrinkle of him coming out of the backfield is lost too. And even if he only had, you know, three, four carries, it's a, it's just something that the defense has to prepare for. And so when he's out of the lineup, that's gone. They might, uh, I suppose that uh, Johnny's a a possibility to get a rep here or there, but uh, they, you know, I think if it's not Andrew, then it's going to be primarily Brady. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they kind of get Augustine in for a few touches, a little bit of a change of pace back. I mean, the thing that, you know, we haven't really talked about because, of course, Brady had the great first game and, you know, a lot of the conversation has just been about what's up with Andrew Harris. Will he be back? But 
I mean, I think Johnny Augustine had like a 5.7 yards per carry last year. I mean, this was a guy that was quite productive when he did get the ball in his hands, Ed. Yeah, his two starts uh, in 2019 when Andrew was out were pretty impressive. Uh, it started in the Labor Day Classic, and then he got even better, I thought, in the Banjo Bowl here. And he's a better receiver than he gets credit for, too. But, you know, I think he, he – it his possibility of getting in there really was hampered by him being hurt for so long in training camp. And I think Brady Oliveira just uh, sort of passed him on the depth chart. So um, if, if there was a dramatic change in the way they played, if one was had a different style than the other, then I could see maybe the change of pace argument, Huss. But in a lot of ways, they're very similar as backs. They're very north-south guys that like to take on tacklers and, and, and try to push the pile. Um, I'm not sure that um, it's necessarily what's going on in the backfield. It's got to be more about what they're doing up front. They got to get, and we've heard it all week, and it's an it's a, a weird statement. They've got to get more physical. And so, I mean, I asked that yesterday. What would that even look like? Because it's a physical game to begin with. What does more physical look like? And I think it's just less about getting pushed around at the line of scrimmage on both sides and and being better tacklers. So, uh, I think that O line's got to be better, and the D line's got to be better against the run too. Well, speaking of that, I mean, we know what the Bombers did. I mean, heck, look at the Grey Cup and look at game one against the Hamilton Tiger Guests. They dominated the line of scrimmage. I mean, I'm not sure whether this was a step back for the Bombers or maybe the Toronto Argonauts are really good. That's the other thing that's coming out of this, in my opinion. Um, look, the Bombers have got their things they've got to resolve. And again, that's what they've been working on this week. But let's uh, let's take a look at the East Division again and maybe reassess things because uh, – uh, you know, Montreal, everybody was enamored with Montreal, and then they took a step back last week. Everybody saw Hamilton coming in this year as a 15-3 and team from 2019. Well, clearly they've got some issues too. Ottawa, I mean, I don't know, they're sort of in a rebuilding uh, phase. But Toronto, they've done a good job. They've added a lot of, uh, you know, familiar faces that we're used to, and they are big uh, at the point of attack, both sides of the ball. And I think that goes a long way to what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Even when they lost here in Winnipeg, uh, I know that that D-line gave the O-line some some trouble here. And uh, they're big. They they could very well win the East. Yeah, and they don't stop talking either. From <laughs> this beginning of the you know teams coming out of the tunnels to the final whistle. Um, I'll say this about Toronto. I mean, I did think that, you know, they had the pieces together to be a very competitive team and a dangerous team later on. But considering all the new faces and Ryan Dinwoody is a rookie coach in the CFL, I'm very impressed at how well they've looked so early in the season. Ed. Yeah, and the switch from McLeod Bethel Thompson to Nick Arbuckle, we thought that was going to come, you know, but uh, Bethel Thompson did a nice job in their first game and they won and then they came here and struggled. I mean, clearly Nick Arbuckle's their guy of the future and I thought he looked really good against the Bombers. As to your point about Ryan Dinwiddie, it's a great, it's a great uh, point. He, you know, he was a quarterbacks coach, then a, a coordinator. Which I don't know how much of a coordinator you are when Dave Dickinson's calling the shots in Calgary. But it, clearly, he's he he was ready. He's been ready for the prime time. They did they did some adjustments last week. I thought Glenn Young, the former Bomber coach, did a nice job uh, defensively. Their defensive coordinator now, and they they've game planned really well. And so that's on the head coach and, and credit to him. I, I remember when Ryan Dinwiddie first came here, I'm sure everybody does, but everybody was sort of enamored him uh, about him as a, 
you know, the good looking quarterback with the bright blue eyes, everybody was going gaga over him and uh, he could throw a little bit. Um, but to see the transformation from that player, I remember when he first came into the league to a pretty darn head, good head coach is it's, it's very impressive. Yeah. Cue the chat filling up with uh, the comments like, uh, unfortunately, his uh, coaching debut was much better than his debut as a quarterback. But I mean, what a situation he was put into back in the 2007 Great Cup. Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com is with us getting ready for the Bombers and Stampeders 6 p.m. IG Field on Sunday night. Eddie, the other big story we have to touch on is what's happening with the Elks uh, up to 14 positive cases, uh, a game that was planned last night uh, off. We still don't know how that will be resolved. But let me ask you, um, how is what is happening in Edmonton resonating within the Bombers organization as well as what you're hearing from around the league outside of Edmonton? Well, it's it's alarming. It's pretty scary too, right? So much of this season is depending on everybody kind of doing their best to follow the protocols and stay safe and they're st- very strict here. Um, I'm in the tier one, as they call it, downstairs here where the football operations are. And we still have to wear our masks everywhere in the office, except when we're in our little spot, our little space like I am right now. Um, and the rules are very strict. When we went to Toronto, um, you know, nobody took their masks off on the plane. Very vigilant about this stuff. And I know that they're still... Um, encouraging players the best way you can to get vaccinated, those who haven't had it done yet. And those numbers are going to keep going up because uh, the latest now is that the federal government's changed to the, you know, the travel policy coming in October where you have to be fully vaccinated. Well, if you want to go on a road trip and play somewhere, (laughs) you better get vaccinated. Otherwise your job will be taken by somebody else. So um, back to the, coming back to the elk situation, it's, it's uh it's scary because so much of uh, what's happening, this league needs to play and uh, you can't have games postponed. Hopefully that's just what it is. It's a postponement and not a cancellation because um, it just, again, it's, it's an important year and they just can't have this kind of stuff happen. Well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I don't even care about the game that we lost yesterday. I mean, frankly, if that game isn't made up, I think it's a very, you know, important cautionary tale to the rest Mm -hmm. of the league. What I'm concerned about right now, Ed, is that if this doesn't get straightened out quickly, I mean, we could be talking about losing a marquee matchup on Labor Day weekend, the biggest week of the regular season in Canadian football. Yeah, so the latest from the Elks today was that they had no new cases after their latest round of testing, and they hope to be back on the field uh august 31st or september 1st so that should give them enough time to play the labor day game providing they don't have any more cases so um they're following the rules there um you know i know it's easy for people to point the fingers at the elks and what and as to what happened there because they're the only team that's really but that's had an outbreak like this but um you know, we also know how this virus works. It, it can be happenstance how somebody gets it and then starts to spread. I, I hope they're following the rules. Um, and it was just bad luck that caught up to them here. But um, it, I, you're, you're right. With the Labor Day weekends coming up, there's so many marquee games. And then after that, you've got the Banjo Bowl and other, you know, the, it's only going to get juicier as the season goes. And if we lose games like this, it, it's just going to put a pockmark on the season. No, absolutely. Ed Tate with us from BlueBombers.com. Now, I'm not sure whether the number is public, but I did read someone, I believe Mike, uh, Coach O'Shea, was on OB earlier this week and was asked about the Bombers 
level of vaccination. And uh, he said, I believe, quote me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, we'll be around a more, get to that 85% threshold for this game and uh, hoping to be near 100% for the uh, the games against Saskatchewan. Uh, is that correct? Or what, what do we know about how the Bombers are bought in? Yeah, I've seen that too. I, I don't think that's completely accurate as to what was said. I, I think what he's saying is that the, the team will reach the 85% threshold by the Labor Day. And so um, I don't know if that if anybody, any team in this league is going to get to 100%, but um, that's an important threshold for all kinds of reasons as to, you know, players getting paid if the game's uh, canceled and that sort of thing. So um, it, it's inch by inch now because, uh, uh, you know, people that haven't been vaccinated by now, I, I suppose it takes an awful lot more convincing to get them to, to get on board. And that's why I think that the, the, the move by the government to make sure that people who are traveling on planes or trains is going to be, that's a game changer for this league. Oh, absolutely. And any player, I mean, you know, if yeah, you're kind absolutely. of opting out and not doing that, you can't be, I mean, I, I, we were talking about this yesterday, I believe with Rod and, you know, kind of, we've been talking about it all week because it's been such a big story in sports, Never mind just the Canadian football league. Um, you know, I can't possibly imagine, uh, an unvaccinated player being signed right now. I mean, essentially, I mean, teams right now, they're already dealing with whatever problems they have of holdouts right now when it comes to that within the organizations. I mean, going forward, especially as you mentioned with what we expect to happen regarding travel, I mean, it's almost a non-starter if guys aren't going to get with the program. Well, absolutely. You know, teams never stop adding players, right? And so if you have an injury or you're looking to add somebody and you make some calls and you've got five guys that you might consider to bring in and, only one of them is vaccinated. Well, guess who's on the plane up here? It's not the other four guys, no matter how juicy their resume might be. This is a, a serious uh, issue for the teams. And if you want to play pro football right now in the CFL, you better get vaccinated. You, you know, it's just, it's the reality of, of the situation right now. And it's what uh, teams like the Winnipeg and other teams across this league are certainly going to have to debate is that, uh, Again, player X is vac- uh, vaccinated, player Y isn't. Pretty easy decision as far as I'm concerned. Well, we'll get back to uh, talking about what's happening on the field. Tonight, we've got Montreal and Hamilton. Tomorrow, it's BC and Ottawa. And then we finish up week four, 6 p.m. at IG Field with the Bombers hosting the Calgary Stampeders in their first divisional matchup of the year. Eddie, uh, it is an interesting night for the football team. Uh, really welcoming families in. I know got a great ticket deal for kids under 12 and uh did I see that Fred Penner's going to be rocking the house as well? Yeah, Fred Penner's going to be rocking the house. That's the way to put it. <laughs> you probably have Jennifer Hansen before the game uh, rocking the house, and then Fred Penner will pick it up. Love it, love it. Well, listen, all the best to you and the uh, and the squad. Looking forward to the game. I will be here, and a lot of folks with us live on the YouTube chat are going to be there rocking the blue and gold. And uh, hopefully we'll be chatting next week about a 3 and one team getting ready for the biggest two games of the season against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Love it, Huss. Yeah, thanks for having me on, buddy. All the best. Thanks so much. There he is, the one and only Ed Tate. Follow him on Twitter, at EdTateWFC, and uh, you can check all of Ed's great work out at bluebombers.com. All right, we've got uh, a couple. Well, there's a number of things, actually, we do want to touch on before the end of the program. Uh, as I mentioned, we did talk to Chris Abbott earlier today from Cool Bet Canada, talk a little bit about what he's on tonight, as well as some NFL futures. Uh, there is so much for the National Football League season. 
as well as the CFL um, did tell you Hamilton tonight, two point favorites over Montreal minus one thirty three on the money line and BC, a four and a half point favorite tomorrow in Ottawa bombers, the biggest favorite of the week, five and a half point home favorites Sunday night in Calgary and the updated Grey Cup odds. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are the favorite right now. Three plus three twenty-five. Bombers, you know, kind of went down a little bit since last week. Maybe a good time to get in on the blue and gold at plus four fifty. Hamilton and Toronto right now plus five fifty. Montreal eight to one. Edmonton nine to one. BC and Calgary ten to one. And the Ottawa Red Blacks fifteen to one to win the 108th Great Cup. Of course, you can go to coolbet.com, use the promo code WST uh, for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Lots to discuss before we uh, fire up another marble race for our friends at Canadian Club, getting ready for the game on Sunday night. Uh, Remo, what's going on? Always great to catch up with Ed Tate. Chris Abbott, my guy, great conversation with him. And, uh, of course, Ian Mendes kicking it off today, talking about Canada's huge win yesterday over the United States at the World Women's Hockey Championship. Yeah, lots to get to. Uh, I like hearing what Ian Mendes, when you said, oh, you talked to Danny Heatley. I saw that article in The Athletic. I was like, oh, i got to read this. So uh, that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, we're all waiting with this Andrew Harris update. Will he play? Will he not? And it seems like we'll be, you know, crossing our fingers hoping he'll play leading up to, and we won't know right until they release the depth chart. So uh, I think he's big, big question mark game time decision. I don't know if that's his official designation, but uh, just based on what we've heard, I mean, it was practicing then wasn't, or and then he's kind of been doing less and less. We'll have to wait and see. So I know if you're locking a fantasy lineup, I'm probably not going there, but maybe you can make a, a late swap in case, uh, he does get named to be in the lineup. Well, and the thing is, I mean, you're just going to be swapping within the Winnipeg-Calgary game. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I'm looking, I got Darvin Adams in my lineup right now and thinking, like, do I wait till Sunday and then have to change it with someone else on the Bombers? Or do I take a guy that, you know, is a little bit more of a sure thing to actually get into the lineup coming up, uh, coming up in, you know, the first couple of games of the week? Uh, who do you like tonight, by the way, uh, Alouettes and, uh, and Ticats? It's a big game for Hamilton. They're yeah. an 0-3 in the face if they don't get this done. Yeah, this is a... Big game for Hamilton. I'm still going with Montreal. Um, you know, they're at home. Home dogs. I like them. I like Vernon Adams. I think their offense, explosive. Uh, their Ticats defense hasn't been great. William Stanback has ran over them in the past. I think Alouettes have too many weapons here. And uh, Ticats, a lot of injuries. So I'm going with the Alouettes tonight. Plus two, but I mean, you might as well just take them on the money line at that point. Although, you know, these games are going down to the wire. Maybe you do need those two points. Uh, Mike Wynn, what up, Wind Dog? He is on the Owls. Ryan Friesen says Montreal 32, Ticats 13. Tell you what, I, I think Hamilton gets it done. But, you know, maybe a, this is just a reputation bet, you know, saying, well, there's such a good team. We've been expecting them. They have been in a tough spot to start the season, Reem. I mean, they started off in Winnipeg against the fired-up Bomber team and then went to take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I mean, probably the two toughest places to play in the league right now. And then, of course, they did have a bye last week, and I think the bye is going to be big for Orlando Steinhauer to kind of straighten out a few things and, most importantly, get a few players back because, as you mentioned, the injuries have been a big story with the 0-2 start for the Ticats as well. Yeah, maybe they've had that extra week to prepare for, uh, for Montreal. I mean, Montreal... 
lost to a quarterback last week who made his first start in the league in Jake Meyer. And um and the, you know Vernon Adams turned the ball over against a defense that hadn't been great. So I think you can make an argument for Hamilton, but Montreal is at home. I'm going with them. Um, and I may have some uh, fantasy selections that uh, reflect this game. It's the highest, it's the highest uh, total game of the week, Huss. 47 points. Uh, the other games are at 43.5 for BC Ottawa, 44 Calgary, and the Bombers. So I mean, you may have some fireworks tonight. We'll, we'll wait and see. I'm looking forward to it. Waiters, I'm with you. Hamilton has to win. Frosty, Winnipeg, Montreal's the pick here. Um, so kind of split, and you would expect that with uh, you know such a tight line. Winnipeg Walter says, I'm working on a job at the SJCC, and a co-worker asked what CC was, and I said, Canadian club. The ads are working. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Speaking of Canadian club, stick around in, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes after we've talked about some of the other topics we've got to get to. We will fire up another marble race for people in the YouTube chat, but if you're listening on the podcast and you are a uh, a rye lover, make sure to uh, tune in Banjo Bowl week. Uh, we'll be running a contest, including our social media. So we want to get as many podcast listeners in on it as well for an incredible prize mm. from CC. Really looking forward to that. All right, Reem, uh, I do want to get to a couple of hockey uh, notes. I mean, we talked about Denmark and Nikolai Ehlers pumping the South Koreans 11-1 today and Ehlers six points. Uh, interesting, you pointed this out to me. The Hockey News projects Cole Perfetti for 37 points this year. Has the Hockey News given Cole Perfetti a job in the Jets lineup this year already? Yeah, shout out to, I think it was Joe from Winnipeg who tweeted this at uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Sports Talk, he picked up their fantasy uh, pool. I guess it's that time of year, and I know Matt Larkin tweeted out uh, that he was working on putting that together. So we've had him on before. I would love to hear his thoughts, but he, what is it? Their, their Hockey News 2021 Fantasy Guide. Cole Perfetti projected 37 points. I would probably lean the under on that because I don't think he's going to be playing that many games with, with the, the Jets. Moose. Yeah, 30, yeah, 37 in the A. Yeah, yeah I mean, I just I, don't think that there's really a spot for Cole Perfetti right now. And, you know, hey, think crazier things have happened. I mean, a young man could come in and just be too damn good to not keep on the roster. Or, I mean, if you have, you know, an injury to uh, Dubois or somebody in the top six, I think there's a potential that, you know, he could be a call-up. But I really do think the plan for the Winnipeg Jets is to sort of operate with the guys that they have and, you know, get a great year of lots of ice time and heavy minutes for Perfetti, along with Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg. And if that's the case, that's really best case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets. Those young men not to have their ELCs count for a year to play big minutes in professional hockey, continue to get more comfortable. And then at the end of that season, basically ready to potentially help in the playoffs if need be, or be regulars once the uh, the year starts uh, a year from now. Yeah, I think unless there's like a big injury, then you bring him in. I do think he'll be missing time for the World Juniors too in in you know the Christmas time in December and early January. So I think you do need to account for that. But yeah, I think 30, I mean, I guess it would be assuming he plays, but you know, maybe if you are in a fantasy league, like, I mean, if you're in a keeper league, take him, maybe take him at the end. But like, I try to pick players who uh, have guaranteed jobs in the NHL. I'm not a big guy who likes to speculate on, you know, playing time at the end. Like, I'd rather, I'm sure there's some guaranteed guys who actually have jobs um, who you could take and try to get those, those points. Cause I don't think, yeah, maybe he starts. I don't know. Maybe they give him a game. I'm not sure. I guess it really depends on training camp, but it, it's, 
It's pretty early to be making that call, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, that being said, at some point, I think we'll be talking about far more than 37 points in an NHL yes. season for Cole Perfetti. We just might need to wait a little while for exactly that. The Jack Eichel saga continues, Reem, and uh, apparently Jack Eichel has changed his agent. Um, he's now hooked up with Pat Brisson, one of the most respected agents in the game, and you'd have to think that this is a um, a move by Jack Eichel to try to maybe start some new conversations between his representatives and the Buffalo Sabres because they're in a staring contest right now. He hasn't had the surgery. He's not going to be playing anytime soon. And uh, yeah, he's due a big, big paycheck. But this is a big young man that wants to play hockey. And uh, it must be incredibly frustrating being the situation that he's currently in right now. Yeah, I mean, I saw the tweet from Elliot Friedman this morning a development in the Jack Eichel situation. And I'm reading this through. I'm like, oh yeah, let's, let's go. I'm ready for this. Did he get traded? What's happening? Did he have the surgery? No, he's now uh, changing his agent. I think this whole thing is kind of sad, especially because he won't be able to play. Um, He wants to have some, this surgery. They haven't been able to agree on it. Now, I mean, they're going to be without him. So now he's got to call in the big guns. He's got to call in the big agent, Papri saw maybe he can uh, wield the, the hammer and throw it down on the office of uh oh crap of Kevin Adams and uh try to come to some some th- some deal here so he can you know get healthy and play but um this is a sad situation although I and Gary said it was the last week that like who's trading top dollar yeah. here for Jack Eichel now his trade value is is in the toilet so um we're we're falling we thought this would be done by now but no it is not yeah, no, uh, and I believe it was Vern, um, or no, it was Wayne Jones. He is stuck. Buffalo is screwed. Enjoy the wait. And uh, <laughs> for Tim, listen, I think Buffalo is going to be uh, looking to get to the bottom again this year and have another top pick in the draft. So maybe the absence of Jack Eichel will help them do exactly that. God, it's a good thing the Bills are good, hey, Ray, because uh, Buffalo sports fans deserve better than they've got from the Sabres the way they've supported that team. But at least the football team has given people something to be excited about. Um, we'll just see whether they actually show up at the rink once football season's over. Yeah, I mean, the Bills, uh, I liked uh, Feinberg last week, or was that, or this week, saying his bet was um, what same, John McDermott to win head yeah. coach of the year. That was a good bet. So, yeah, a lot of eyes on the Bills. Sabres, I mean, they've been terrible for a long time here. And uh, definitely not turn around this year, but they got, you know, Rasmus Dahlin a couple of years ago, Owen Power, you would think you would think that brighter days are on the horizon, but I don't I don't think so. So uh, we'll yeah. figure it out. You know, you mentioned McDermott. I'm just pulling up the coach of the year awards. Um, McDermott's at 17 to one. I think uh, Feinberg said it was 18 to one to when he bet it, um, which is some good value there. The other guy that I like um, is Ron Rivera at 15 to one. And uh, as I said, we've talked about it. I'm pretty high on the WFT, the Washington football team going into the season to be a playoff team and to win the NFC East. And I'll tell you what, behind that defense and riverboat Ron, I mean, he's not afraid to, he's not afraid to, you know, put the stones on the line and make gutsy calls. You got Fitz magic there along with Taylor Heineke, who looked very good in the playoffs last year. I could totally see Ron Rivera being in the mix for that award favorites right now um you know it's a huge group at 15 to 1 actually now that i think about it i mean there's no real favorite right now brian flores brandon staley and with the chargers kyle shanahan kevin stefanski sean mcveigh ron rivera bill belichick 
and Arthur Smith, all 15 to 1. Then you got Sean McDermott, and then we go to Frank Reich and Sean Payton. So uh, the interesting final preseason games getting going this week. And then we are, what, two weeks away from NFL kickoff. The first game of the year is the Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champions. God damn it, that pisses me off to say that. The Super Bowl champion Bucks and Tom Brady going at it against the Dallas Cowboys on the Thursday nighter, and then a full slate of games, including my Chiefs going up against Andy Max Browns in week number one. Some great games, and tell you what, we got the Banjo Bowl on Saturday, Ream, the NFL kickoff on Thursday, the first NFL full games on Sunday. That might be my favorite weekend of the year. It's coming up soon, Hess. Uh, and I, actually, I may be getting into some best ball draft this weekend, uh, that underdog fantasy. I mean, they got a bunch of leagues you can go in, so I may try that. We actually had a hockey signing uh, right now. A former Jet finds a new home, Hus. Jordy Ben signing a one-year $900,000 contract with the Minnesota Wild. So a uh, former Jet finding a new home. Uh, some breaking news, uh, Jesse Pierce uh, from Minnesota tweeting that one out. So I guess he's, yeah, I think he's just going to be a depth defense. Sa- same role yeah. that he had oh. here with, with Minnesota. Yeah, all the signings that I think we're seeing. I mean, there's going to be two types of signings. There'll be the big RFAs like mm-hmm. we've just seen, um, you know, with Svechnikov getting his extension. And, of course, Kachuri, not as much an RFA, but, you know, buying up those years and signing an eight-year extension. And then the other ones are going to be like this, nine hundred grand for Jordy Ben, eight and a quarter for Derek Broussard. I mean, we've talked a lot about the lower class of the NHL, the the veterans that are out there as free agents right now. and I mean, it's like a game of musical chairs right now, and there's not enough chairs for the players that are left. And if you want to get one of those chairs, it doesn't come with a large paycheck, relatively speaking, of course, amongst the NHL. Actually, yes, I'm looking at their depth chart. And first of all, uh, Minnesota has got like two former Jet defensemen, Kulikov and Ben. But you look at their, I think Ben is right now six on the depth chart, according to Cap Friendly. So... Uh, I think he might actually play more than we think. I mean, John Merrill's been a solid NHLer too, but um, yeah, I think you got. I think he's going to play there. Uh, so we'll be seeing him here. The divisions they're back. They're in the Central Division, so we'll be seeing a lot of Minnesota. That's an interesting one. So, and I questioned if they should buy out um, buy out Parise and Suter. I think Parise made sense. But Suter, I thought, was, I mean, he got scooped up immediately by Dallas. And uh, we'll see if they miss him, especially now that they have this, what, dead cap space, $14 million for the next two years. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't, they get a $10 million this year, but then it's like 12, 14, 14, a penalty for the next three. So, um, and they, of course, have to sign Capris off right now. I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, with, with Ian Mendez about the Brady Kachuk situation. I mean, those are the real interesting standoffs. And heck, we're not unfamiliar to that in Winnipeg. Of course, we had Kyle Connor and Patrick Liney in similar situations a couple of years back. Uh, it got done, but it did take a lot of time. And um, it's kind of nice to not have those storylines going on around the Winnipeg Jets right now. Just a lot of excitement about the upcoming season. As far as that, you know, it really, if you look at Minnesota's blue line, just back to that for a second, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba, Goligovsky, and Kulikov, you know, your top five. And then, as you mentioned, I mean, Jordy Ben, I think probably sets up as a seven behind John Merrill. But yeah. you have to think it'll probably between those two players who's playing better, who's getting more done, um, you know, will be the guy in. And uh, if anyone gets hurt, next man up will be the guy that doesn't get into the top six. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, iHeart Gaming comes in and says, I think I missed the news. I'm, well, no, you didn't miss anything. It literally just happened like a minute ago. And, uh, you know, news breaks and uh, we're here here talking about it. But yeah, I agree. The RFAs, uh, let's see if I can bring up the RFAs here. The RFAs, I think, more interesting. Uh, what's going to happen? You said Brady Kachuk, Elias Pedersen, oh, Rasmus Dahlin. Oh, yeah. Well, Cap- Canucks have to Cap- do Hughes and Pedersen and Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. So that that will be, I mean, those will be the topics that, you know, and, and as I said, nice to be talking about these situations in all the other areas around the National Hockey League, but not in Winnipeg. Hey, um, I just, I think it was Vern that uh, tipped us off to this. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is flirting with 59 right now. He is playing the 18th hole. He's 12 under for his round and Cantley is 10 under for his round playing 17 right now. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. A uh, big performance by Bryson at the BMW Championship right now. Uh, Cantley and Deshambo have opened up a five-stroke lead over the rest of the field. Three tied at 11 under Hudson Swafford, Sergio Garcia, and Sam Burns. Very important for Swafford and Garcia to stay there right now. They opened up on the outside of the top 30. Uh, they're in it right now if they could maintain their position. Uh, but, of course, two more rounds after today's action at the BMW. And then the top 30 will be going to East Lake in Atlanta for the Tour Championship and the richest prize in golf. A um, little bit more NFL news, and this isn't surprising, especially if you saw how good Jameis Winston looked on Monday in the Monday Nighter against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ream. Uh, but he has been named the Saints quarterback. Uh, to me, this is a no-brainer for Sean Payton. What I am interested in is, though, do they have another more traditional kind of backup quarterback and utilize Taysom Hill the way Hill was used with Drew Brees? Or does he become more of a QB um, that's there either as a change of pace for Jameis Winston, uh, but not playing some of the other positions that he did before? And uh, Much to the chagrin of many fantasy owners. I, yeah, no more Taysom Hill. It always bothered me when they get down to the like one you know the goal line area and they'd start you know t- having Taysom Hill like run into the O lineman's ass. You have Alvin Kamara, the most like dynamic player in the league. You have Hall of Famer Drew Brees, Mike Thomas, and they'd give it to Taysom Hill. Although he played well, but I mean killed the fantasy value of of Kamara and all the other receivers. So for fantasy purposes, you got to be pumped with Jameis. I mean, guy throws uh, throws it deep. He throws touchdowns. Also throws a lot of interceptions. But I think Kamara's value. Is going way up, and we'll see what happens with their receivers. But I'm I'm a Jameis guy. I know he can uh, you know turn the ball over quite a bit, but he seems to have putting the work. Haven't you seen those videos of him online doing his weird drills? That's the Dak Prescott. That he's re- <laughs> yeah, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. Hey, uh, if anyone is uh, uh, near a, a tube, you might want to throw the golf channel on. DeShambo just threw a dart on 18. I think he spun it back to about four or five feet away. And if I'm reading this correctly, he will have that putt for a 59 on the PGA Tour. Uh, and that would make him all but a lock to get to uh, the Tour Championship next week. Um, uh, I see Hustler's Diet Pepsi. A Hustler bobblehead with the Diet Pepsi is the best idea I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, uh, Actually, would Some, be good. A DP would certainly be uh, uh, the, the right accompaniment for me. Maybe yeah, a the, little brown jug, actually. The chat is off the rails right now. We have uh, WST Audio Gremlin and Remus's Mute Mike. Are you know, colluding to make an appearance on the show, and then 
Someone said that uh, we, the next merch item, because the hats have done so well, there's a couple left at Royal, and I think a couple on the website too. Um, that the next one needs to be bobbleheads. I said any bobblehead would have to have a hustler drinking a diet Pepsi. So, <laughs> and then out, out comes out of the woodwork comes a hustler's diet Pepsi in chat. So uh, very, pretty comical. Whatever's going on, going going on in there. There's one. We got a couple other items. Uh, Huss, I wanted to bring up one thing that I saw on Twitter. Uh, did you see PK Subban on Instagram? I, I did not. Man, uh, watch out for him this season. Uh, he tweeted this out. He is looking. I mean, if you're looking for a fantasy draft, take PK. I think he's in for a bounce back season. Look, look how look how jacked he is here. He tweeted <laughs> he's this out. Ripped. Yeah, that was tweeted two days ago at seven. 49 a.m. PK Subban looking absolutely ripped. So I, I maybe he's ready for a bounce back. I don't know. Jersey people were call outside of Winnipeg. People are saying New Jersey is the offseason champs. Signed Dougie Hamilton, got Thomas Tatar, and I think there's like one other one other move they made. But um, watch over New Jersey. It's uh, Jack Hughes breakout season upcoming. And PK Subban returning to form. There he is. Guys wrote guys yoked. Yeah, and of course they, of course they took Luke, uh, Luke Hughes, Jack's brother, is their yes. first round selection, which uh, excited a, a lot of people. But um, here's the other thing about PK: if you want to bet on a guy, if you think there still is something left in PK Subban, he's making nine million this year, but this is it for his contract. So he's also oh. playing to continue his career and hopefully be getting a check somewhere close. To what he's getting right now, although let's be real, that probably is not going to be uh, be the case. Everybody excited for the big Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight on the weekend? I'm not <laughs> sure whether that's Saturday or Sunday, Reem. And I'll be honest, I don't think I'll be looking at it, but I will give I will give Paul credit. I mean, when it comes to self promotion, I'm not sure there's anyone that does it better than this guy. Although I would love nothing more than to see Tyron Woodley remove Jake Paul's head from his torso when they get into the ring on this weekend. It's Sunday night at 6 p.m., so it is during the Bomber game, but, uh, like, am I going to try to watch this thing? It's during the Bomber game, but, uh, like, I'll, I'm tuned in. I'm curious. I, you know what? The one thing I like about these uh, dumb fights, the broadcast and the presentation is always so over-the-top and ridiculous. The one where they had, like, Snoop Dogg and... Pete Davidson on commentary, like they I'm, were so high, they were I, like the highest people in the world on that on that broadcast. I, I'm here for that. I'm here for oh, they got Michael Buffer doing the intro, and then everyone's on Twitter. It's like what Bruce Buffer's brother does this, and you're like, oh, these <laughs> these youngsters who were watching the Jake Paul fight never heard of Michael Buffer. So uh, and then I then you start to feel a bit old. But uh, I'm sure I'm this Jake Paul fight. I'm suckered in. To, I don't know which one is which, which brother's which. Um, Tyrone Woodley. I think he fought in the UFC that was here, if I recall, against ah, Michael against right. Michael Bisbing, or I think, or was it against uh, Stipe? I don't remember, but I think he fought at the UFC that was here. I got to double check. But uh, we'll sure. I'll I'll tune in. Bottom line, I, I'm my ears are pricked up. Yeah, no doubt. Um, look, I'm just keeping an eye. Bryson looks like he's uh, lining up this putt. Uh, so I'll let you know if this goes in. 59 watch for Bryson DeChambeau right now. I I can't stand Bryson. I actually, I hope he misses this putt. 
<laughs> 60 is still not too bad. Um, oh, and I see Electrician Free Territory of Trieste. That's an interesting uh, YouTube handle. What's going on? Talking about CM Punk. CM Punk versus Darby Allen. That, I think, is on the next big AEW show, which, if I'm not mistaken, is on September 5th. And, you know, I listen, I realize it's sort of a slow time, and last week was a huge week in wrestling, but it's been a long time, Remo, since pro wrestling has had this much buzz, I think, in mainstream circles here in North America. And um, as I said, I'm not a big punk fan, but, man, the guy certainly moves the needle. And uh, everyone's talking about AEW right now, not as much as WWE. Yeah, that's all I see, Hess, uh, is AEW on my social media. I have no idea what's going on with the WWE, and um, just from it popping in. And, uh, oh, yeah, Tyrone Woodley was on the preliminary card of that Winnipeg fight. He fought Jake Shields there. In a, uh, in Nicely a, done. But, um, yeah, I oh, mean. Bryson I mean, missed. Bryson yeah. missed. No 59 for you, Bryson. A 60, though. Not a bad round. He's in first place at uh. 16 under par. Funny thing is, even with that 60, he might not be leading because Pat Cantley still has two holes to go and could actually get ahead of Bryson if he can get one more birdie on 17 or 18. Yeah, so uh, there you go, a little golf uh, golf in September. but uh, And I completely forgot what I was uh, talking about before that. Um, I, okay. I interrupted myself. Do you want to talk about the McDonald's tweet real quick? Well, yeah, yes. Uh, the, people in chat, get to it, people in chat have been talking about it. I, I, yeah, I know. Fill me in. Fill me in on this breaking fast food news from okay. McDonald's. Okay, so this is McDonald's. This is their profile now. They got a new header image, eight thirty one twenty one. So that's August thirty one. Mm. Okay, and like everyone in our thing, so they tweeted out the thing you've been asking for arrives eight thirty one twenty one, and that's McDonald's Canada. A lot of people speculating McDonald's pizza uh, is is coming back. That's the leading speculation. Um, I don't know if it's could be the Arch Deluxe. Could it be the return of McDonald's hockey cards? Although Tim Hortons does the cards now. Um, so I, it seems it seems pizza. If you had to put betting odds, pizza is the leading favorite here. What about what about McRib? Yeah, what about McRib? It could be McRib. I think other people are saying McRib. I think I think Mick, you know what we should do uh, we should do some cool bet odds uh, yeah. for this McPizza maybe plus two hundred McRib I would say maybe even money yeah to, to make pizzas I think it's just such a different item for them I mean like the amount of preparation the cooking I mean all of that stuff I'm not sure I would love to see it though I mean I still do remember yeah. back in the day getting the McPizza combo. And like I don't know if anyone ever in any other situation has pizza and fries, but it just seemed like that was what you did at McDonald's <laughs> together back with that. Yeah, so we'll we'll wait and see what it is, but I'm curious and oh, yeah. WST Audio Gremlin, shout out to you. Unbelievable comment. Who remembers the McDonald's cheddar melt? One of the greatest burgers in the history of the franchise. It should have stuck around. It had onions. I think it had a special bun. It was like a quarter pounder uh, with onions. They may have been grilled, actually, and like a sharp sort of cheese sauce, like almost like a nacho cheese sauce and cheddar cheese. One of the best fast food burgers I've ever seen. And to be honest, a lot of what they had in the cheddar melt remote came into what I think has become certainly mine, and I think yours as well, number one burger, although frustratingly, it's not available enough 
And that, of course, the bacon mushroom melt at Wendy's. Yeah. And uh, I want to apologize to the uh, people in chat, especially that person who got mad at us for uh, promoting McDonald's, not promoting, for talking about McDonald's. <laughs> and not our favorite local restaurants. There was a big, that was a big thing, but. Uh, that was a big thing. Hey, make- just for the record, I still am on at least two trips to Daily Burger a week. So I am supporting local, um, you know, yeah. in many of our other spots. But at the end, I mean, this is, all you need to do is look at the chat and seeing what everyone is talking about. Uh, yeah, Brown Eye Girl MGD. The pizza was good, but too hard for the stores, I think. Uh, yeah, I really do think that there's a. Uh, I mean, maybe they can bring it in for a, period, a short period of time, but long term, I'm not sure whether McDonald's is getting back in the pizza game. I, I, I'm a I'm a McRib guy. I, I'm fully in for uh, bringing the McRib back. And to be honest, Wendy's needs to get their act together and get that bacon mushroom melt on the menu 12 months a year. Um, that being said, I think I'm going to go to DQ and grab an ultimate grill burger because those are amazing. And as I said, have been slept on too long. The most underrated burger in the fast food game certainly comes from our friends over at Dairy Queen. And yes, Mark Sports Video, speaking of burgers, La Burger Week is coming. Mm-hmm. And Reem, did you know that La Burger Week is now La Burger Two Weeks? Oh, really? One week, one week wasn't enough for, especially here in Winnipeg, with the incredible participation from all the uh, all the, the local restaurants. So, yeah, they're doubling it up. It's like a two-week period this year. And I'll be honest, I am absolutely here for it. I love burgers maybe more than life itself. I guess we are we going to have to like do live reviews? You have to go on location and like sample some of these <laughs> one time? I might have to get some uh, hashtag content. <laughs> out of it uh i mean i think it's exciting to look at the list of all the burgers i'm not someone who goes and like has to try every one, but i think it is people get fired up about it so i do think it is great from that standpoint but i might pick like one or two of them and and give it a go at my uh, selected selected restaurants winnipeg walter at winnipeg sports talk dq swiss mushroom burger Ooh, love the sauce i would that try is that an amazing burger and uh um, I think you maybe put some bacon on there and absolutely, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal selection. And uh, all these other places, you can't get a blizzard at the same time. That's it. And I will say this, the honey barbecue chicken fingers, not to go down a rabbit hole of every item at DQ. Um, some of the best, one of the best fast food chicken products I've had. Yes. So if if you do like the, I, I always like kind of like a honey barbecue sauce. You can get them without the sauce, but they toss them in there. Um, absolutely great. So if you are a chicken finger guy, you can try those out as well. All right, Reem. Uh, you know, finishing up the week, Merrily Gurrell's here. Love the marble races, folks. You know, oh, and the battle of the Lockport burgers. I don't think there's any battle. I think it's Sonia Stan, hands down. That to me, that might be my favorite burger, period, to be perfectly honest with you. If you're out there, get on Henderson Highway, drive all the way down. You can pass the half moon right at the end. Uh, of uh, Henderson at Highway 44 is Sonia Stan. Just grab a cheeseburger and thank me later. Um, you will love that. Although we should get Kerry O on at some point. Of course, the um, he's got the YouTube and Facebook page of the uh, Manitoba drive-ins. He'd probably be the expert on that because I know he spent a lot of time doing content and videos, running around grabbing burgers in all sorts of corners of the province. Always certainly love that. All right. Shout out to our friends at Canadian Club, your official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Going to be nice on, you know, relatively nice, I think, on Sunday. Uh, but you can maybe warm your evening up with the CC and Pepsi, or my favorite is the CC and Ginger Ale. Uh, but we've got an I Love Rye package uh, with some Canadian Club, a couple other treats from the uh, from CC as well. 
as uh, some socks from your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a couple different styles. So we've got this. I'll put together a package for you. But you know how we're going to do it, folks. We're going to get the marbles going to finish up the week. Uh, Remo, you let me know when you're ready. Folks, if you're here, just type here in chat. Please make sure you're local because uh, it's going to be hard to do a drop-off or pick-up of this stuff if you're not in and around the area. Uh, and we'll get everyone's name in. And we'll see who will be the man after the uh, this shocking win by the Gitch, Sean Lishka, last week. All right, I'm going to back this up when uh, we kind of see everyone that's here. Uh, folks, just let us know that you're here. Uh, Remo, let me know when you're ready, and I'll start firing you off all of our uh, contestants. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready to go. Okay, I will start it off with Hustler's Diet Pepsi. Yeah. Uh, r- running Man. Uh, yeah. Running man, who by the way said thanks for the food talk. Just ordered a fat boy and fries and a Greek salad. Oh, elite order, running man. Uh, our guy Jeff Kabilis, Ryan Friesen, uh, Chris Vermette, Justin F. Um, we'll ju- just go with the electrician. Electrician free. That's a long name there. Uh, Brown Eyed Girl MJD. Our guy, Dallas, congratulations again. How's uh, six days into being a married man, Dallas? Or I guess five days. He got married on Sunday. Congratulations again. Uh, all right, uh, running man. We got Winnipeg Walter, Bravo Bry, Owen Loney, uh, Tracy O, Todd Fertani. What's up, Todd? You missed a banger at win last night, my friend. Maybe we'll see you this weekend. Uh, oh, the queen of the chat, Taylor Ewell Miller. Uh, I Heart Gaming, BA Split, yep. Derek Honer, Eagle Eyes, Keith S, Sal Capizzi. Shout out to the Table Hockey League gang, Mark Sports Vid, Art Cooper, James Zilstra. Where did I just lose that? Where am I here? Uh, Schickster, Tristan Rivers, Soul Crusher, Kitty Pup, Light Man, Maddie Patty, Joe from Winnipeg, DJ Cool, uh, Alexandra. Who else do we have here? Leslie Mitchnuck, Greg M. Marilee Gurrell, uh, Jordo, Larry Eloy, Manny Fran, Bartholomew, Winnipeg Jets forever. I think that's my pal Max. What's going on, Max? Uh, let's see. Well, Wayne Jones, Albane Belly. Yes, <laughs> it would be fun to bet on this. I guess everyone would have the same odds, but uh, there you go. Uh, Klassen. Uh, Paul Simon, Paul or, or Phil Simon. I think Paul Simon's the publisher of the Free Press, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bardo is here. Uh, Glenn Van, Spund MC, Jason Jet, uh, WST Audio Gremlin. Oh my God! I hope he doesn't win. Uh, <laughs> Nelson Patnode. I think we got Klassen in there. Yeah. Uh, do we, you get Bartholomew? Yeah, I got him. Uh, okay, last call. If you haven't heard, oh, Mike Wynn. Got to get Mike Wynn in there. 
And uh, Christopher Matt, I'm surprised no one's dropped in an Evander Kane's bank account burner. Oh, <laughs> oh the Godfather's here. Mitch, WHT. Yeah, I got Mitch. Uh, all right. Uh, I think we are ready to go. Remus, I know you were testing out some uh, testing out some new tracks yesterday. Uh, yeah. I imagine this is going to be one where there will be some eliminations, I hear. Yeah, I'll put me and you. In. I don't know if there's going to be eliminations, but I think it's going to go. There's going to be some different uh, stuff happening here so we have i put me and you in we got 58 people in nice nice uh and someone said waiters wanted in too should i add one more oh waiters yeah sure waiters 27 waiters have been here all day i just must have missed that yeah waiters i don't think you said waiters okay so i will put this in all right, and again, we are playing for a CC prize pack, a uh, little bit of bomber gear with some really cool socks brought to you by, uh, there you are, some Jim Beam socks. Uh, of course, Jim Beam, the Jim Beam social area there. Uh, the still house at the game will be a place to be at halftime in and around the Brugal Rum Hut. Uh, we do have a bottle of CC that we'll be including in this package, a little bit of glassware and some other trinkets we'll put in there from our good friends at Canadian Club your official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Remo, how are we looking? We ready to roll? I'm getting it set up here. We got 59 uh, people in. Excellent. Excellent. And we're doing this track, uh, The Laboratory. Ooh, The so, Laboratory. I'm yeah. Looking forward to this. So let me just load in the names. The date today? August 27. Oh, I saved it the wrong file. Happy to be in. All right. There's Rob. I got to save this thing. Hold on. Give me, it's giving me trouble here. One sec. Pat Cantley looking very good right now. I'm not sure that might just be a for, for a par. It's just a little tap. And again, if you're just popping him to Missed a very makeable putt on 18 that would have got him a 59, but uh, he settled for a 60. And looking up at the scoreboard okay. right now, no one else really making a run. Uh, although Cali actually would have bogeyed 17, so he's one shot back of Bryson right now. Sergio got up to 12 under. He's in third. Hudson Swafford, Sung J M, and John Rom at 11, and Rory McIlroy, Abe Answer, and Sam Burns all at 10. How are we looking? All right, we got the track here. It looks like we're on some type of, uh, what is that? Field here? Do you see that? It, it does look like it does look like that. And by the way, well, you know, maybe I'll ask this on another show. Has anyone ever played the Farming Simulator video games? I think I have that. I was looking at the trailer for that, and I still don't really understand how it works. But I'm for one, some reason, I'm strangely intrigued about it. Um, being a city guy, maybe I should learn more about farming. And of course, how else would you do that than through an Xbox or a PlayStation game? Uh, all right, it looks like we are ready to go. Thanks to everyone that uh, that is in here. Let's see. Uh, let's see what we can. Let's see what we got here. On your marks. For the CC prize pack heading into the bomber game on Sunday night. It's the Friday Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Nice start for the WST Audio Gremlin. Hustlers Diet Pepsi's there. Peppermint Patty. Waiters. Early lead for Peppermint Patty. Derek Homer. Alexandria is there. Oh, this is a cool one. Yeah, this one's there's gonna be cool stuff happening here. Get get stuff. I tested this one yesterday. So uh, watch out for some craziness. So I think this is really anyone's game, but Peppermint Patty really uh, 
in the league. Oh, yeah, huge, huge lead so far. We'll see what happens, although it does seem like there's plenty of uh, things that can screw things up as we get close. Uh, rest of the pack sort of catching up here. Who's there? Mark Sports Video is in the mix. Uh, Bardo there. Alexandra is there. Uh, but Peppermint Patty still in the lead right now. Mark Sports Video is there. Oh, what do we have here, Rio? This is some sort of a globe. Yeah, it's like a hamster ball. Who's going to come out of this thing first? Here. Yeah, okay. This this is where things are getting real, real interesting. Uh, although, there goes Peppermint Patty. It looks like Bardo is right there behind it. Oh, and we've got some more. This is a great, great course. Yeah, this thing looks uh, dangerous. I don't know what this spinny thing is here, but... Uh, oh, there goes Bartholomew. Bye-bye. Someone just got thrown over the top rope i see peppermint patty's getting banged around and oh comes oh, and same with bardo this is really a two-horse race right now very very close who's it gonna be oh, i think peppermint oh. patty oh an elimination right at the end knocked out was bardo gonna make it this is very dangerous you can easily there could i'm seeing oh. more eliminations mark sports video is it looks like I think Mark Sports Video might have gotten through. Is anyone else going to have it? Mark Sports Video is the winner. Nicely done, Mark. Great wow. to see some of our regulars get in the mix. I don't think Mark's really ever been close before. So uh, anyways, great work. Great work to everybody. Mark, uh, hit me up on a DM. Got a nice little package for you that could make the weekend that much better. Um, but yeah, overall, great way to finish. And Remo, I love that course. Mark that one down. We got to use that one again because there was uh, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, and, you know, it was exciting right until the end. Mark Sports Video, tough uh, tough one for Peppermint, Patty, and Bardo. They seem to be a two-horse race there. But, um, you know, they got mixed up at the end. Uh, we've got Alexandra finishing second, Owen Loney, Mike Wynn, Waiters, iHeart Gaming, Wayne Jones, Hustler. Oh, nice. A top 10 finish for me. DJ Cool and our girl. Nice to see you, Brown Eyed Girl, MJD. Um, we've missed you. I know you're working sometimes and catching the show later on, but it's great to have you live with us here on a Friday. Uh, all right. Well, heck, a lot of fun today, folks. Um, appreciate you joining us. Spread the word on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, and by the way, I think I mentioned this before. We're down to uh, the response for the hats has been amazing. We've got six left of each at Royal Sports as of last night when I dropped them off. So to anyone that was hoping to pick one up, uh, you can still check the website for people that are out. We've got a few more to send out, uh, but we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Only a few left, but there's six of each as of last night at Royal. And I would imagine uh, we'll probably get picked up over the course of the weekend. Um, so thanks to everyone that's already picked one up. And if you haven't checked the store out before with everything else that we've got, go to winnipegsportstock.com and hit the store button. Um, again, big thanks to Canadian Club. Always great to do a little CC. I love Rye Pack when the Bombers are playing, heading into the weekend. Congratulations again to Mark Sports Video. Uh, shout out to Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing. Can I have a few of those this weekend with uh, my pal Dustin Nielsen, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Remo, great week. And we're just getting going. NFL right around the corner. The biggest weekend of Canadian football coming up on Labor Day. 
And of course, Winnipeg Jets training camp just around the corner. So uh, we're just going to get ramped up. Sort of a slower week, but great to see all of you with us. And uh, that is going to do it. As everyone's saying, see you Monday. Have an awesome weekend. 1 p.m. You know where we'll be right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a good one, folks. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.